trying to make sure this starts on time because it's going to be a lot of people it's going to be hectic it's going to be 12 minutes of each team coming up and one by one i have a list i pinned it in the chat you know that's going to be uh, hopefully according to plan but we'll see about that you know how that thing is but um anyhow this space is going to be quite long i do know that check offered um, a pretty cool tier system for anyone that sticks around for like the the entire amount quarter of the amount half the time it's um you can check out their Twitter. They're doing some cool little um, contests for credits and things of that nature. So, yeah, you can check that out. Hi, everyone. Hi, Tyree. Who else do we got up here right now? I'm looking to get Composable up here as soon as possible to start off. You're a brave man, Haas. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's going to be a long day, man. I'm looking forward to it. Though. I'm hoping my phone doesn't like die on me. It's at 88% right now. So I might have to like put it on the charger like halfway through. <laughs> Who knows how long this thing's going to last for? All right. We're already delayed. So here we go. I have Ahmed from Composable Finance starting first, but I'm not quite sure exactly where he is. He's in my Telegram chat. This is why I put the list out. <laughs> so the first five teams we have up is Composable, Terra Money, Ride Chain. I guess that's Zion, X-I-L-O-N, and then Andromeda. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm waiting for Ahmed. His time's ticking already, so let's go. You know, Hoss, there we, there we, you got him up here? Yep, he's okay. up here. What's I was going about to say, on, I'll bite Ahmed. the bullet and go first if we're... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. Let's 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 get it going. So I'm at this. The format's pretty quite. It's quite simple. It's just basically why are you guys doing what you're doing? A quick little intro, I should say. Then why you guys are doing what you're doing, and any 2024 roadmap alpha. Um, it's kind of just open mic. So we're just gonna do like 12 minutes, hopefully per team, and then um, yeah, that's it. So go ahead, let it rip. All right. Thanks for having me on. Can you hear me well? Yes, yeah, sound loud and clear. Beautiful. So, hey everyone, my name is Ahmad. I'm the COO of Composable. Composable is also the uh, sort of um, parent project, if you will, of Picasso Network. Um, we do two things, right? We do two things. So, uh, one one is basically an infrastructure play, and the second is a more um, user-facing application. On the Picasso side, which is sort of the first stream of what we do, we're all about um, interoperability between chains, right? So uh, specifically, we have we are extending IBC. Uh, I guess most people here are familiar with IBC. If you're not, then IBC is the communication protocol used within the Cosmos ecosystem, which has also been a big reason for the success of the Cosmos ecosystem. Um, that ability, native ability to transfer assets or even pass general messages from one chain to another in a trust-minimized way. 
Um, so essentially, IBC is limited to Cosmos. We are the first to bring IBC outside of Cosmos. And uh, in fact, we established a connection between Cosmos to Polkadot over IBC. Um, so and we're currently in testnet for Ethereum, launching mainnet very, very soon, and then also going to Solana um, also quite soon. So essentially the vision here is IBC everywhere. Why? Because we believe that for DeFi to really advance, uh, chains need to communicate. And that's one. And two is when they communicate, it needs to happen in the most trust, minim trust minimized way. We've all seen the hundreds of millions of dollars of hacks that have happened um, with the trusted bridges models, be it wormhole, uh, Ronin or, or Nomad or others, right? So, you know, that's got to stop. <laughs> so that's, that's why IBC is the way to go, but IBC within Cosmos is one thing and then IBC everywhere is another. So, so that's a big stream of what we do. And then as we go, we'll be adding more and more connections, you know, coming a little bit into 2024. Um, uh, that's that's kind of you know it's 2023 was kind of the proof of concept uh, for us i.e establishing the first connection of ibc outside of cosmos then 2024 is the year we scale this and go to where the users are um, and that starts with ethereum and solana and so that's that's picasso that's the whole interoperability play of what we do but then you know interoperability is cool and all but then what can you do with it um, and that's, that's where the second stream or second major stream of what we do comes in, which is Mantis. Mantis is still in its very early days. This is actually Alpha just speaking about it here because um, beyond our docs, we haven't published much. But the idea of Mantis is basically uh, a DeFi super app that sits on top of this Picasso infrastructure. So, you know, if you can imagine a whole world of chains all connected trustlessly via IBC, then you can also imagine an app sitting on top of this infrastructure where a user just needs to show up, express an intent, and have basically various solvers um, route this intent into the, the, towards the best execution, wherever that may be. So in a way, the idea of Mantis is to abstract the entire DeFi experience, the entire cross-chain experience as well, you probably don't even know, no need to know even which chain your order is executed on or which bridge you're using unless you want to. But if you don't and you just want to say, I have some USDC, I want to buy some ETH, you know, figure it out, then that's also what Mantis is about. And I think there's a lot of, um, so if, if this is the DeFi super app, then I think a lot of the DeFi uh, principles and, and culture will, will, be, will be present. So you could think of a big gamification app. You can think of a DGEN score that's going to be included and a bunch of other features um, as well. So, so yeah, a, a bit of a long rant, but essentially what we're building is this comprehensive uh, ecosystem that uh, starts at the infrastructure level, but then addresses different DeFi primitives, be it you know swapping, borrowing, lending, even uh, staking. Uh, we're launching restaking on Solana as well. So a uh, pretty rich ecosystem, um, but that's, that's where we're headed. And then 2024 for Mantis means it's the launch of Mantis. Um, 
So already we're running Mantis Games where we've onboarded various solvers. Uh, next up is staking, and then there's going to be other phases uh, as well. The last thing I'll mention about it, beyond sort of being this user super app, Mantis is also where, you know, um, is a big playground for cross-chain MEV, right? So we're actively onboarding solvers, block builders, market makers, and various players uh, and building tooling for them to tap into this opportunity, but also using uh, revenue that's created through the, this this MEV to subsidize bridging cost, cost and make and make basically Mantis the most uh, you know economical way as well to to transact. Speaking of that, I seen you guys recently had your collection on. Um, I think it was what's the NFT marketplace on? I can't think right now. I need more capital. Yeah. Marketplace on Solana. Tensor, exactly. So we just launched an NFT, exactly. So this is a first step towards Mantis Games. Holders of these NFTs can then basically create teams and then teams compete. Um, and then winning teams will get 80% of the revenue of the protocol over the duration uh, of the campaign. So yeah, we're starting to do things on more and more chains. You know, Pika is, is list Pika. You know, originally we were... We started building on Polkadot, Pika is the native asset of our Kusama chain, and then over time really transitioned to becoming a cross-chain hub. So you can find Pika on Osmosis, you know, if you, if you, you know, that's, that's, so you can find it on two ecosystems. We will be running an LDP on Ethereum as well. And then soon enough, once the Solana connection is up, that's when uh, we'll be on Solana too. So from like a user perspective, if they wanted to go from, um, I don't know, let's say, IBC or Cosmos over and do something on on um like Solana, are they are they going to need the Pika token to do that, or is it just going to be ran in the background and you guys convert the fees? Like, how's that feel from like the user experience? Yeah, so they currently we uh, this can be done well not Solana specifically. Currently, a user would head to Trustless.zone, um, and then they would be able to bridge to any from any and to any chain that we're connected to via IBC um, and then pay their fees in Pika. So over time, trustless.zone will be folded into, um, into Mantis. So users will be able to do that, that same thing. And then um, with, with IBC, insofar as they're bridging using Picasso uh, via IBC, then they would be paying their fees in Pika, correct? So you have about a couple more minutes left. Uh, what else would you like to share or how can people get started? Uh, what happens if, uh, yeah, just like if someone wanted to get started, where do they go? What's the best place to go? Yeah, really, it really depends on what they're trying to do. Uh, I think so. I'd encourage people to check out trustless.zone. We're also running a campaign, a user engagement campaign where we're given we're in the testnet phase of Ethereum uh, or Ethereum connection. So there are a bunch of uh, challenges that, that we're putting up that can be rewarded um, in Pika. And so, you know, along the lines of, you know, go and and uh, bridge to Uniswap and swap uh, your Gourley Ethereum to Pika and then come back, uh, right? Which is, which is something that's never existed before. So I think we've been doing this to test the robustness of our of our connection and it's worked quite well. Um, really stay tuned because the mainnet connection will be up live along with um, 
along with um, with a bunch of uh, user missions as well. So I would say keep an eye on the Picasso account, on the main composable account, um, and there's some good stuff waiting for you there. Awesome. Thank you for stopping by. I know it's short, but this is kind of like a, a marathon today. I really appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to, you know, the continual growth of IBC. I mean, I've been, that's been my thesis for the last like two and a half years. I just think IBC is just going to be an integral part of Web3. Just like the uh, current internet, like there's like seven layers. I think IBC will be obviously a huge part of the future of crypto. So, uh, you know, I think without it, it just doesn't work. So thank you for doing what you're doing and bringing IBC to other ecosystems. So, you know, it helps assist more eyes on Cosmos and just honestly just improves their current infrastructure. So thank you for stopping by, Ahmed. Uh, next up, we have Tara Money. We got Michael. What's going on, Michael? Hey, is, is Mike up as a speaker? Haas? Nope, he was. He was. But let me put him back up here. Okay. Yep, loud and clear. And I work on the station team uh, for TFL. Um, we just recently uh, released uh, Station V3, uh, just, uh, I'd say, just over a week ago at this point. Um, and then, so the goal with uh, Station, just to continue on uh, the IBC bandwagon, is to uh, kind of um, continue pushing forward uh, tooling, especially user tooling uh, in Cosmos and, and beyond. So right now, uh, the primary... Uh, problem the station is solving is uh, interacting with multiple blockchains. Uh, it could be really confusing. You know, um, while IBC is an excellent technology under the hood, um, a lot of users don't really understand the guts. And, you know, they don't want to understand necessarily. I mean, they can if they want to, but uh, it, for the most part, they don't want to know, you know, what relayers are going on, you know, what channels are going on. Is it, you know, is it a token transfer cha channel? Is it a contract channel? A lot of that stuff needs to be abstracted away from the user to make it useful. And so those are the problems that we're trying to solve with Station Wallet. Um, we kind of consider ourselves both like asset first, but then also kind of IBC first. So rather having a single chain view of the world, we have a multi-chain view of the world. Um, so one of the big mandates uh, with Station V3 was to abstract away a lot of the unnecessary complexity that users have had to deal with so that they have a seamless uh, cross-chain uh, experience. Um, and to achieve that, there were a couple of things we'd need. Uh, first is uh, infrastructure. So that was a big part of it. Uh, using the foundation system that's being built by the, the Terra infrastructure team, um, it's very important for us to have nodes that exist on all of these chains on which we support, but then also relayers, you know, between Terra or other networks that uh, the uh, wallet services. Um, and so we've our infrastructure team worked hard on that for us. And then we're also working with routing partners. Um, I appreciated what you were talking about, you know, talking about the seven layers of networking. And um, I think that a lot of protocols out there like Squid or, or Skip for that matter, and we're, you know, primarily using Skip right now, but we have it, you know, open to extend. I feel like routing layers like that really are a lot of dApps call themselves protocols, um, but I think they actually capture the essence of what a protocol is, um, given that they are kind of a layer on top of which uh, other things can be built. And so to run with that a little bit, uh, we had recently just added uh, IBC swaps uh, directly into the wallet using uh, Skip, but also 
making it so that it's it's generic enough to use squid tfm whatever provider we need to be able to hook in there we can um but then once we have that protocol once we have that foundational layer in there we're then able to do other things on top of it so one of the really cool features i like uh about station wallet is on top of the cross-chain swaps we now have the ability to kind of do what our version of fee abstraction uh, right now we have a gas helper so basically if you want to perform a transaction on a particular cosmos network we go ahead we look at what l1 fees you have do you have the l1 token for that cosmos network well if you don't we front run it with a skip swap right in front of it with the assets that you do have so that you can go in there and you can have like true fee abstraction such that you don't have to worry about oh man did i just you know uh, bridge this over to Axelar and, and do I have something on there, but I don't have the fee token on Axelar to send it over. So using this swap and this this uh, routing layer, we uh, we detect the fees and then we swap it for you. Um, so that we have a yeah the gas helper slash token top up. Um, another thing I think that is kind of lacking, I think, in the IBC world right now is even the cooler explorers with like really cool visualizations. They're still on a single chain to single chain uh, context or point of view. Uh, we added an activity list into the wallet that gives you a more holistic view of what your account has been doing. And on Cosmos right now, you know, that is still challenging. So you have, you know, multiple coin types and stuff like that. And again, more stuff the user doesn't necessarily want to care about. They don't know if your network is using, you know, uh, coin type 330 or 118 or 60 or 437. So we've built the layer behind the scenes to be able to capture those addresses for the users and then be able to get a holistic view of both that, that account's activity as well as that account's balances across these, these networks. And we kind of bring them into like a really nice, easy to use, digestible uh, wallet. Um, so yeah, so to very to token centric UI. They don't have to worry about again. They don't have to figure out what the relayers are, what the channels are, or anything like that. They find the token they want, and then we abstract out how to get there. So if you have, you know, Luna, or if you have USDC, uh, and it's on a different network somewhere else, now th there's still the difference between is it Axlar USDC or is it the native USDC. But we're even looking to kind of break down those barriers where we're able to help you kind of like nexus kind of like warp your uh your token so if you have you know the same usdc across five different cosmos networks and you want to kind of pull them all into one network we're working on tooling to be able to do that kind of the idea of it doesn't matter which chain your assets on what matters to you is that you have that asset and wherever you want to use it you should be able to use it um and so yeah so if anybody you know on this call hasn't tried station v3 yet i really suggest uh, you know, you check it out if you want to see some more information. Uh, the Twitter handle is our X handle. <laughs> I'm still getting used to the X transition. Um, it's uh, just at Station Wallet. Um, you can find out more information about it. And um, I think what uh, one message I'd really like to get out there is a lot of folks, uh, they still very heavily associate use of station with only the Terra network or only Terra classic or something like that. Station is intended to be uh, chain agnostic. It doesn't it doesn't matter if you're on Terra or if you're on Juno, Osmosis, whatever, uh, as long as it's Cosmos for now. And then we're looking at EVM and beyond uh, further down the line. I'd say Q3 uh, this year, we're looking at expanding to EVM, Bitcoin and such um, the EVM networks. Um, but I, at least for now, you know, you don't necessarily even have to be uh, processing transactions on Terra itself to be a station user. Just, uh, you know, load it up, get your seed phrase in there or connect it with your ledger and go from there. 
so yeah, so um, that's the station extension. You know, it's a Chrome extension. It's available in the Chrome store uh, for all the major uh, Chrome browsers, whether, you know, Chrome itself, Brave, Arc, Edge, all of that. And then our next steps are to do the same thing that we did in the extension we're going to be doing in the dashboarding. And so uh, we've been making a lot of news uh, lately. Uh, we're combining teams with the Pulsar team. Uh, so they are uh, kind of uh, pioneers in the uh, like just data uh bringing the data your your data in uh and dashboarding and kind of getting the analytics uh on your portfolio data and so we're going to be their team is working with us on the station dashboard to really give you again that holistic view of everywhere your account is everywhere your assets are your various vault positions and really kind of bring it in almost like a centralized exchange experience, but decentralized within a single dashboard so that you can see everywhere that your assets are um, and then control them and really have um, uh, control and, and the right informed uh, knowledge over what's going on on various networks and then be able to produce uh, reporting uh, on that. Um, along with that, you know, we want to make sure that we continue pushing forward mobile first uh, as well. So in the DAP design as well. So we're working on our mobile um, wallet that's going to be with that out within the next several weeks. Uh, we're going to get the mobile out. Uh, it's going to have a very similar uh, experience to the extension, but it's going to be right there on your iOS or Android device. Um, and then uh, along with those, you know, along with bringing Pulsar, we want to add, you know, more functionality to the wallet and the dashboarding. So whether your assets are tokens or your assets are NFTs or what you're doing on chain is important to you. So we want to make sure that you have visibility on that uh, within station. So uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, kind of rattled off there. Kind of No, man, that, that was good stuff. But honestly, I, I really, really appreciate what you guys are doing because that's been the main pain point for most people in Cosmos. And because um, like a lot of times I'm on the community side, just answering questions and helping people out. And one of the most frustrating things, you know, in this space as a whole, I don't know necessarily what the wording is, the verbiage like outside of IBC, but just like the error messages that aren't human readable, right? Like I understand what they're saying because I've spent so much time in this space, but you get so many questions and a lot of it's just this what you're doing. Like you don't have the gas on the right chain because people are so, um, I don't want to say conditioned, but yeah, conditioned to understand like everything's monolithic in their approach. Like they just need ETH and they could do anything or they only need soul and they could do anything on Solana, but like Cosmos, they, they don't get it. A lot of new people that, um, you know, it's all these, you know, I don't know how many chains there are over 80 or so. They're all, they're all L1s. They're all connected just because you have, um, Osmo on Osmo. That doesn't mean you have Osmo over here. And so, yeah, for, for those out there, just being able to just interact and not have to know like what's under the hood, because just like right now, like web two, we don't care if we're going from one website to another and it's pending off this website and that we just know it's going to work. And I appreciate like, the account abstraction and just making it real, you know, simple for people to use because sometimes you only have one chance to, um, I guess, gain that that customer, if you want to call it a customer, community member, the team or project or whatever, or whatever you have you. So really shout out to you guys doing that. And um, yeah, big fan of Pulsar too. I've used them for a couple of years now. I think I met them a few years ago. So anything else that you want to share in the last couple no, of minutes? No, that's it. I just want to say thank you very much for having, uh, giving us the opportunity to speak here. Um, I'd like, you know, the, the rest of the Cosmos community to really, you know, a lot of folks haven't checked out Terra since, you know, the DPEG and a lot of news we've been making 
making. And I just really encourage you to come over and check us out. Um, I really think that Terra is trying to push forward, you know, bringing the Cosmos community together. And, uh, you know, I just encourage and uh, ask you all to give us another shot. And uh, just thank you all for the shot you have given us. So, uh, again, thank you so much. And uh, thank you to the rest of the speakers here today. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for stopping by. Next, we have Tyree with a ride chain. Hey, Haas. We're, we, we do this every Saturday, so this is always this is always a, a little fun, fun party, right? Um, I feel like I, I get on these spaces with you and I ramble for an hour, so 12 minutes is probably not going to be enough time at all. Um, so for those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Tyree Robinson. I am the head of ecosystem at AriChain, been with AriChain Labs since uh, 2021, uh, graduate of Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, originally, I know Hostel always likes to ask this question. I got into crypto uh, through a great friend of mine, uh, CEO of Halborn Security, who told me there was a cool project called AriChain that was working uh, on the intersection of AI and blockchain. So I, uh, I looked into it. I was really excited about it. The idea of the AI Oracle really got me excited. And um, and since we were founded back in 2020, we've sort of always been developing at this intersection of AI and blockchain. Obviously, it's a hype phase right now. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people are, you know, coming out with sort of very low tier use cases or, you know, chat GPT APIs. Uh, we've always been sort of focused on how do we bring AI generated data on chain for smart contracts for different utilities? in a safe and transparent way with on-chain proofs and making sure that they're human readable in sort of these report forms uh, where anybody can go in and see the reliability of an AI model at any time. Um, so, you know, with more than sort of 70 team members at AriChain, we've been doing R&D across a ton of different areas um, at this intersection. Uh, I'm gonna highlight a few uh, today. To sort of get us started, we, you know, in the very beginning started with NFT um, asset authenticity, working on um, actual content authenticity for non-fungible assets, uh, have a multi-chain database with hundreds of millions of NFTs uh, and also real world artworks uh, that can actually help uh, consumers go out and uh, scan and make sure that their NFTs are real when they buy them. But also it can be used as an AI oracle in minting contracts to prevent fraud if people want to do that. Um, also along sort of the, the NFT sort of line, we've also focused on generative AI, um, particularly focused on royalty sharing between AI providers, data providers, and um, AI model users, right? Obviously, uh, content ownership for AI-generated content is, is something that is um, really a big problem in the US right now, right? We don't have very good laws around who owns AI generated content, who has the copyright to that. And it's always been our thesis that it should be um, everybody that's contributed to that output, meaning um, the, the machine creator, the, the data provider and the actual AI model user. So that's on that. Uh, we've also been focusing on AI oracles for uh, real world asset valuation. That was a big sort of push in the past two years. Uh, researching about big data insights, making sure that we can um, have fair market valuation for real world assets, uh, for potential derivatives trading, collateral, making sure that it can't be manipulated uh, because obviously real world assets are very liquid. Blockchain is not going to automatically solve that. Um, so yeah, so that's that's been a very exciting place. And of course, DeFi, 
uh, DeFi, right? So um, before I get too deep into sort of some of the exciting AI and automation tools that we've been working on uh, for DeFi, I do want to kind of like highlight some of the some of the key sort of components that are in the ecosystem right now. Um, so we have, as these guys have mentioned already today, um, you know, it, interoperability is obviously about what's under the hood, but it's also about the primary touch point for the user, right? Making sure that the user has an experience that's seamless for them. Um, so in the past couple of years, universal asset management has always been a focus for us. Uh, O-Wallet was originally designed as both an IBC and EVM wallet. So today you can manage any IBC um, network out of the box, but you can also manage your EVM assets on Ethereum, uh, BNB chain, and Tron uh, through our wallet. And now we are just finishing up integration of uh, Bitcoin mainnet as well. So you can manage all of those assets really seamlessly through uh, O-Wallet, uh, both mobile and uh, browser extension. Uh, and on top of that, we've also just recently released our universal swap, uh, which allows you to do cross-chain swaps between EVM and IBC chains. Uh, again, Bitcoin will be added to that very soon as well, uh, directly from your mobile app. Uh, so that's that's really a, a big a big you know selling point for us in the past year. Um, really excited to get Kado. Uh, integrated in probably this week uh, or so and in, in the next two weeks uh, with us as well. So we can get people away from the flow of going to a centralized exchange first before going into Explore DeFi. We want people to discover Web3 directly and get directly into doing DeFi without needing to sort of go to uh, any of those big names as much as we appreciate their contribution to the space. Uh, we don't think that it should be mandatory. Um, so sort of going through our entire ecosystem obviously a lot of the projects in cosmos we're like the ecosystem of l1s right where everybody's you know got tons of d apps currently we've got about 15 different d apps on our chain we've incubated a number we've recently just um approved funding for i think four or five different or I think that we have in different stages, we have four or five different new projects onboarding to the Arachian ecosystem, Kado, Yo-Yo. There's another governance app um, coming. It's called, I think that they're working on CW20 governance uh, for Arachian, uh and single-sided staking. So that's exciting. Um, and, uh, and then we also have uh, our AI-powered playground for developers, which is going to be happening soon. That's coming from NodeOps. Um, so really stoked on that. Um, within our current usable ecosystem, one of the most exciting things to me is uh, Orchai. It's a product uh, that in the beginning focused on liquid staking money market um, for a, a number of different assets, Arichain, Osmosis, Atom. Uh, and then they've sort of pivoted their experimentation uh, and, and followed the path towards account abstraction, smart wallets, uh, and they're doing some really, really nice things uh, that are that are super excited to me. Helping, they have a product called Combinator, which is allowing people to compose um, complicated transactions, optimize the gas, and bundle them. Uh, right now, that's within the Arichain ecosystem. They also have a version that's on BNB testnet, so they're also experimenting on the EVM side. Uh, and eventually all of this will sort of 
connect together. So people are using AI at the door to be able to create and generate unique cross-chain DeFi recipes based on what they want. And then all of that is then composed into a recipe that they can go through and check um, and edit if they want before going forward and executing it. Um, as we're talking about the value of AI in the Web3 space, I think a lot of people you know, um, jump immediately towards security, which is really important. But I think that the, the real value is, is optionality. Um, and in optionality, when I say that, I mean how we look at user experience in Web3 right now is a very, everybody has a very maximalist approach where you like a chain and so you use all the products of that chain um, when that sort of chain isn't doing what you want, you move on to the next one, right? And so we're not, like if you come to Cosmos for the first time, for instance, um, you might hear about Injective or you might hear about DYDX because those are some of the bigger names in the, in the ecosystem right now or Celestia obviously. Uh, but there are, I think, probably 80 plus chains in the Cosmos ecosystem, right? And there are opportunities on every single one of them. So we're thinking about how people can more immediately discover the opportunities that are right for them uh, and then be able to connect the dots so that they can get to their final destination quickly and seamlessly with different levels of automation. Now, that could be that a person wants to just take that sort of map and guide and go step by step to their DeFi opportunity, wherever it might be. Uh, or it could be that they want, you know, to have these checkpointed sort of smart account powered transactions that allow for a level of automation uh, across chain that, that, that can be really exciting, right? Um, as we, I think that, you know, I think I say this really quite often is that right now, um, everything in Web3 is uh, advanced level by default, right? Um, we always have to know exactly what's going on. And, and again, if we want to grow this space, we have to hide all of the guts, all of the gears, and begin to just create very, very simple experiences and let people double click if they want uh, to understand what's going on. Uh, it should always be an option for them, but it should not be the default requirement to go out and read a couple of Medium blogs, go through the white paper, uh, get a full uh, education in DeFi terminology in order to use a product, right? So um, that's, a, that's a big point. Um, now, in terms of sort of uh, consumer-ready products from Mirai Chain Labs, we're also working on a couple of things. We've developed our own uh, for the past two years. We've been working on our own large language model. Um, we're now just starting to do the alpha testing of that publicly. It's completely ours. Um, this is not, you know, the, the, it's, it's built, purpose built for Web3. Um, our goal is to be able to connect people with this large language model to the DeFi opportunities that they're looking for, but also to the AI services that they're looking for. Um, and so that's our LLM layer. And then we also have our DeFi lens which is sort of where the personalization and customization uh, of this toolkit comes. So uh, people can actually go in and choose, as you can see in that pin post up at the top there, they can choose from a number of probably like 30 different parameters uh, and toggle their specific lens set, their, their sort of taste, um, and discover the assets, the pools that they're looking for, depending on chains, exchanges, market cap, volatility, any of those different things. Um, First, for a very long time, we have 
had CoinMarketCap and CoinGecko as sort of the first stop for people as they're looking to discover new assets, but they're really limited platforms and lack the personalization. So people really, they jump all the way to KOLs all the time where they want to listen to an influencer's advice, tell them what they're doing. Uh, and we just want to be able to create a really simple tool that everybody can use uh, to be able to discover the stuff that's actually right for them. So, you know, that's Haas. I can probably go on all day, but that's that's the that's the meat of what we're doing. I, I'm, I'm going to let you ask a couple of questions here. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's we're, we only got 12. It's basically at 12 minutes right now. So, I mean, what I'm going to have everyone do is just have anything they want to pin. And then at the end of the space, I will create like timestamp content that gives like an overlap and also anything in, in addition because 12 minutes is so short. So I just to be mindful of everyone's team, Tyree, but thank you for everything. Thank you for what you guys are doing. And I'm looking forward to everything in 2024 and beyond. Next up, we got Burnt. Yo, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. So the format's just simple, like quick intro, what you're, why are you doing what you're doing, uh, 2024 roadmap and anything you want to share, any alpha is always great too. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it nice and true and sweet. Uh, my name is Burnt Banksy, uh, kind of founder uh, of Burnt. We are building Zion, a L1 for consumer adoption. Um, kind of our thesis is, you know, I, I think we worked really hard for these past two years to mimic a Web2 experience. Um, and I would say that we are trying to be this kind of unifying L1 for consumer applications. Number one, first problem I think I see in the industry is that to be an L1, you need to compete with everything. And I think that goes counterintuitive to the thesis of composability. And then number two, um, I, I just don't think that end users should really care what they're using or how they're using it, right? Um, you know, whether I'm on a Twitter space or YouTube, it shouldn't matter where it's being hosted in the back end there. And I think we're taking a very similar approach with Zion. Um, as it kind of relates to the 2024 roadmap, as I pinned 36 minutes ago, we just released our, uh, you know, our final test. That is kind of what we're calling it. Um, and a lot of this right now is just kind of testing out, you know, as you'll notice with kind of this first interaction, you'll interact with a product that we didn't build. Uh, some of the guys over at Bonus Block built it. Um, signing in with email, minting an NFT. Um, you don't need a wallet. You can do it on mobile because there's no private public key. Uh, given everything is a smart account, a lot of work going under the hood, and you'll be able to see, uh, you know, a lot of exciting things. Um, as it comes to a 2024 roadmap, right, pretty, you know, as you can kind of see the test net, and obviously kind of mainnet coming after that, uh, you know, and happy to kind of go through anything that we're doing and answer questions, but a lot more projects on the roadmap. We have a hackathon coming up as well that we'll probably start announcing the judges for on like Wednesday, Thursday, um, but a lot of really, really exciting things that we're super excited to show. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just basically open mic for you to like discuss what whatever you have. I mean, I guess since um you know when about do you expect your chain to be live and you know for the community, <laughs> everyone likes airdrops. I don't know if you guys are doing airdrops or like if, you, if there's anything you want to share, just let it let me know. Any alpha, any alpha. I would say you know probably Q1, Q2. I I think depending on you know, what needs to be fixed on this test net. Ideally, it's the last one, um, you know, or, you know, ideally, I should say we go out quicker. Um, all the audits are done. Uh, we're just kind of stress testing the network uh, and just kind of seeing how it goes. Uh, can't really comment on an airdrop right now. Uh, my legal team will absolutely fucking kill me. I know, I'm sorry. Um, I just don't need another, like, hour-long legal meeting where I get yelled at anymore. I, I'm, the days of that are over. <laughs> I hear you. Yep, I hear you on that one. 
But no, man, in all seriousness, like, what are you guys, like, for the most part, what is your main product that you're going to be excited for? Is like, for those in Cosmos that we've been here saying, OG, that's been here for, like, three years now, what should we be like, okay, why do we want to come check this out? I think the, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And, I, I mean, I think there's going to be a percentage of that, which is like, hey, at some point it's not, you know, it's not entirely for the people of Cosmos, right? I think we're trying to make it easier for the family of the people in Cosmos, right? To be able to operate, you know, whether it's Mito with Injective, whether it's Osmosis, whether it's Mars, um, you know, it doesn't really matter. And this is kind of where we go into that unifying thing. You know, we want the family members of everyone in Cosmos to be able to use Cosmos, um, you know, and I think that's what's really exciting about us. And, you know, yes, there are deployments on Zion. Yes, there are deployments on, you know, obviously Injective and, you know, a bunch of other products. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the real, real market is, you know, the grandparents of someone who who wants to be using, you know, their 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 grandson's app, right? Or, or just something that they've heard about. Um, you know, I think that's what we're really excited about. And, you know, I think this was, for us, it was an interesting time because this was kind of the first test that, that I was able to actually send to my parents. Uh, and they didn't have to ask me any questions, right? And so, you know, we're really, you know, really quickly starting to see the benefit of that kind of come into fruition uh, I see bonus boxes here listening on that, you know, and, and, you know, they've been such a great partner to work with. But, you know, again, whether it be injective, whether it be the entirety of Cosmos, we're really excited for to bring Cosmos to that kind of next level and be able to expand everyone's total addressable market, you know, to people who don't have a Kepler wallet, who don't, you know, need to download anything new, um, you know, can do it on mobile, can do it with email or Facebook or biometric. Um, you know, and, and we've been working on this for two years and very, very excited to kind of to get that started. Nice. So two years, I'm assuming you guys are causing you have causing wasm enabled. Correct. Yes, sir. OK, great. <laughs> and then like is the chain permissionless or is it permissioned? Yeah, I, I think right now it's permission just kind of as we're in a test net, uh, you know, as we kind of a hackathon is going to be pretty permissionless and a lot of it's going to be pretty permissionless. I think as we kind of get into the security of meta accounts, once you start getting more to core, it gets pretty, uh, you know, it, it gets pretty governance required, um, you know, but we're really happy to kind of start off extremely, extremely like governance focused and then really break out from there. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think of something else that I would like to ask. Like, what, what do you think is going to be your um, like main go to application that, that people can expect? Yeah, I mean, I guess like. It's a tough way of thinking about it. I would say like the hub in some sort of capacity would probably be like the main connector just because the way that the way that the structure works, you're familiar, obviously, kind of with. Um, um, oh, God, I'm totally blanking on this, but, but we kind of use uh, Z. I apologize, Z and ICA effectively to kind of do this together, um, you know, but a lot of what we've done with Z, and I think you've probably been in the Cosmos space a while and you've heard these like really cool security features that you can do with like sub accounts with Z. That's effectively how we kind of operate applications, uh, whether it's on one Zion chain or kind of on the interchain, being able to kind of delegate permissions and delegate kind of spending in that capacity uh, will be really exciting, right? So to answer your question, right, I, I think the this kind of Effectively, I mean, product ends up being like a settings page where you can delegate permission to different applications, uh, be able to stake, be able to, you know, kind of treating it like it's kind of like an app store, I think is kind of like my main goal. But I do think when you think Zion, it's not going to be a DEX, right? It's not going to be an NFT marketplace. Yes, there will be those on there, but we do want to 
give a lot of the power to kind of the scalability and, and kind of secure uh, growth that we're looking for, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So for those out there, if you're like, what the heck is Auth Z? If anyone's used like Yield Most, that's that's basically Auth Z. It's like essentially having the compute have blockchain do functions for you without you have to manually do that. So yeah. like auto compounding, uh, we haven't even touched the surface of what Auth Z can be. It's so exciting. So it's it is so exciting. exciting. And then especially because everything on us, uh, you know, we. A big thing for us, and, and I recommend everyone read the white paper, of course, but, you know, our main thing is enshrining UX onto the protocol level, right? And so everything is a smart contract on the protocol level, not like 4337 or some other social kind of mechanisms. So now where you really get some interesting things is is when your account is both a smart contract and smart contracts are able to delegate your account. You get a really, really exciting, really easily scalable way to be able to provide this kind of meta account system that we create. Yeah. So, I mean, for for those, uh, like, I guess we've got a couple of minutes here. Like if someone wanted to get, a, get involved with you guys or like they're interested in it, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Dev, I mean, there's a pinned tweet, right? Uh, 45 minutes ago or 44 minutes ago. We announced a test net. Definitely, uh, you know, definitely stay up to date. I think, uh, you know, kind of join bonus blocks is, uh, you know, program. They did a really, really great job. They're here right now again. Um, there is going to be so much more. One of them is like contributing to the hackathon, um, you know, contributing to the hackathon. We have a ton of great judges coming up, a ton of even great workshops coming up. Um, what else? Follow, follow us on Twitter, uh, Discord. Uh, you know, we're always, always looking for more ambassadors for the program. So, you know, please don't hesitate. And then, uh, you know, happy to answer any questions. Ask anyone kind of, I'm on Discord 24-7, uh, you know, answering community questions. Um, or you'll probably see me at a Cosmoverse later. <laughs> Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, we'll we'll do, end up doing a follow up. You know, we'll we'll do another space more specifically just to you guys when you guys are like ready to get going and go live and all that. So, you know, just reach out for that. But, I mean, I appreciate you stopping by, and um, yeah, everyone, give them a follow and exciting time. So, go mess around on testnet too. You never know. Yeah. Not promising you anything, but you never know what's going to happen with uh, <laughs> some else there. So, anyways, uh, thank you for stopping by. Next, we got Cody with Andromeda. Hey guys, uh, glad to be here. Lots of uh, lots of friends in the uh, in this space. It's nice to see all these guys in here, guys and girls. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm with Andromeda. It's a project started about two and a half years ago. We've had a long build cycle. Started in the uh, previous bull run, went through the bear, and um, this project really started about uh, seven years ago, back when I was still on Ethereum. Um, I was one of the co-creators of the ERC seven twenty one standard, known as NFTs. And, um, you know, when, when I, when I created that standard with some friends, um, back in 17, we, uh, I thought we were gonna get really cool things, you know, like, uh, like bonds and, you know, insurance and all kinds of really interesting financial products coming out of NFTs. And instead we got monkey pictures and, um, you know, to this day, I still, still don't have a single NFT, um, or a PFP or anything like that. But what I, what I saw was, a. uh, an opportunity for us to start creating this object oriented uh, environment and um, create these new uh, user spaces and being an Ethereum person developing with solidity that wasn't going to get it done. Solidity was a, it's a DSL domain specific language. It's a, um, it's a really difficult place to develop in um, and do anything really complex. You know, if you're doing something very, very precise and you're going to do one thing and do one thing really well, I guess it's great for that. 
but um, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to build, you know, the the type of system that I thought um, could be capable of on on Web three. And so um, about three or four years ago, started looking around, flirting with other chains and different ecosystems, and found this wonderful, wonderful concept um, uh, called the Cosmos, where we had, you know, um, this Internet of Blockchains, which, you know, with, and four years ago, IBC wasn't even, you know, really thought of it. There was probably a, a dream of it one day, but it definitely wasn't material at that point. But um, the vision was there and the stack was great and the technology um, was all there and ready for us. And so, um, so around two and a half years ago, three years ago, we started to put together a team, um, to build this, this new platform that's, that we call Andromeda. The product is the AOS. And what this is, it's a, a fairly complex, very, uh, fairly sophisticated stack of smart contracts around right now, it's around 19,000 lines of code in Rust that that's executed on the, on Cosmosm. And this AOS, this Andromeda operating system, would be deployed on any chain within the um, within the Cosmos that is Cosmosm uh, compatible and runs a newer version of IBC. And so what this does is it, it deploys a user space, much like we find in computers that we use today. Um, we've modeled it a lot off of the design patterns from Linux. So getting a what, what would look like a file system, we call it a virtual file system, because there's not really a, a hard drive behind there with sectors and stuff like that, but more of a, a user space with you know a, a path where you have like slash home, slash username, slash, you know, there's a file. And inside of Linux, everything is known as a file. And we kind of look at the same thing inside of DeFi. So all your different positions that you might have all of your different um, assets, your different um, um, uh, functions and, and stuff like that are all based on this file system. And you have different, you have users instead of having just a public and private key, you actually have a user where you can do key rotation and your assets are bound to that user and not to the key. So if you have security issues or you want to in, you know, invoke uh, a different scheme for different types of assets, you're able to do that. Um, and the nice thing about this is it requires no chain upgrades. So we can go out and deploy across, you know, 60, 70 chains potentially, you know, as the cosmos grows, I think that I don't think anybody in this call would be surprised if we saw 250 different, um, cosmos chains in the next, you know, two years. And so by, by having this common, uh, platform, this common operating system user space, that's, that's on every chain out there. Um, it gives the users an ability to sort of, um, you know, use these systems without having to worry about um, what chain they're on or, or what gas they're going to be paying with. A lot of it gets gets abstracted and, and taken care of uh, by our operating system behind the scenes. Just like when you save a file to your hard drive, you don't really ever know what sector those bits are being written to. Or when you connect to a website, you don't really know what the IP address is. A lot of this is abstracted stuff. And um, and we look at this and the, the only real the only real ecosystem out there in the world that can that can do something like this that can offer these these types of advantages is the cosmos and so as we uh as we begin to deploy you know we're in audits right now we should be done by the end of the month we've got great auditing partners and great capital partners great uh great partners all the way around um uh once we start deploying this i think i think the community's going to be really really excited to see this new concept it's it's a it's a new thing in in web3 we we've looked around you know, the, the, the broader web three community. And we haven't really seen anybody doing what we're doing in the way that we're doing it. There's a lot of front end, um, front end attempts to do this, but you know, you're still limited by, um, 
you know, what you can do off chain. And we're trying to put as much intentionality on chain as possible. So that's, that's kind of our, our, our stack. It's, it's fairly complex. There's a lot going on there. Um, I could go into economics and how the, you know, where the token comes from, why we have our own L1, why I'm going to tell everybody in this call, do not build on our L1. We don't, we aren't asking anybody to build on the Andromeda chain. It's build where you, where you need to build, go out in the cosmos and build closest to the value. Um, I think that that makes more sense. There's no, you know, there's no sense in building on a, on, um, uh, on our chain uh, specifically. So yeah, uh, Cosmos, you got, uh, Haas, you got any uh, questions or want to take this anywhere? Yeah. I mean, uh, we've got a few minutes. So basically I guess why not build on your chain and also do the chains that want to interoperate with you guys, I'm assuming they have to have Cosmosm enabled. Like it needs to be like a, a contract. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a, a set of contracts that we deploy on those chains. Um, we can, we can deploy on permissionless chains. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, permission chains, uh, once we get permission, of course. Um, but it's, it's not required. Um, and, uh, yeah. So any, any chain that has Cosmosm and IBC, I think it's 7.2 or 7.3, um, or above, um, needs to be active. The reason why I say don't come build on our chain is we're, we're not really an, an L1 centric, uh, concept uh, or economic model. Um, our chain is mainly set up for sovereignty, so that we control the our own stack and we can we we control the entire um, sovereignty of our of our existence. And then we basically use IBC to then lend trust over to those um, to those other chains that are out there. And for us, it's primarily you know our 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 economic um, uh, opinion is that. Uh, through network effects, we can do a lot more damage out there. We can do a lot more, not damage, but, you know, create a lot more value and a lot more utility value by by executing on network effects versus um, being an L1 centric chain. So, yeah, there is an L1 chain. That's where the the token and the the, the base of the economics starts. But it soon moves out um, across the ecosystem into potentially, you know, hundreds of chains out there. So my question for that would be. Okay, so you obviously have your token. It's live right now on Shade Protocol in Astro Vault, I believe. Correct. And then, so like, how does that gain like value to the token? Essentially, like, why do you even need the token if you, you you know like I guess like let's just use the hypothetical. Some some team wants to tap into what you're doing and and kind of combine all these contracts. Like, how does that work on their side? Like, why do they need to get your token? Is it like fee based? Like, how does that work? Um, so a little bit is fee based. We're not we're not really getting into the gas uh, territory. The, the the gas is is up to each chain in L one. We don't really uh, impose any uh, requirements or, or changes needed to be made. We're trying to be as light as possible. Where we're not we don't really require chains to accommodate us. We wanted to be as generic as possible so we could easily install. Just like. Um, so the the token the part you're asking about where the token comes into play. So there's inside any resource constraint environment, which blockchains are definitely that at the moment. Uh, although in the cosmos we we have the luxury of not having forty dollar um, EVM payments that we have to make to Ethereum or or any kind of rent that we have to pay back to Ethereum with L2s. Um, and so by having this um, this system, you've got you do have resource constraints here and there. So there's um, everything from automation that would come into the system. There are namespaces. There's any any number of ways to throttle the different um, uh, resources that are um, constrained. So you have you can put in bidding. You can put in all kinds of staking uh, components 
that uh, give you access to certain resources. And that's it, those aren't artificially imposed. I, I want to make sure that, that, that this isn't, that, you know, we're not artificially putting in gates to, to enforce some sort of economic principle. The economic principle is, is the primary driver on these things. Um, and right now we've identified about seven or eight core um, uses for where this token can be used inside the operating system, be it either on our chain or on any of the chains that are out there. Um, and uh, we think they, they, they harmonize quite a bit, especially with the network effects. Um, one of the core core tenants that we have followed is we're a non-inflationary token. We do not turn on um, inflation on the chain. Um, so we're, we're capped at 1 billion. And um, early on, you know, before the, the protocol begin, you know, can produce its own sustainable um, revenue, we are, um, we're using the DAO to basically uh, bootstrap the whole system and not impose any sort of uh, passive tax, you know, like inflation. So I guess for for those out there, they're probably like, "What? What are they even talking about?" <laughs> I, all right, so let's let's just make it. I, I guess like, tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Windows is an operating system, which is like obviously great, right? Like we couldn't yeah. be here probably if, if there wasn't Windows. Sure. So are you guys trying to be that for Web three? Is that kind of like the thing? Like, is that the goal? What what what's the goal? Sure, sure. So uh, to answer your question, it's uh, yes and no. Um, like a true economist, on one hand, I'll, I'll talk about one thing and then on the other. Um, so really, if you look at blockchains, um, we look at them as these state machines that are really slow. They're like computers from the 1960s. Um, you know, we're not getting high TPS. Even the, the best of the best TPS chains out there are still woefully slower than a um, than a desktop computer. And we can all see that. We all understand that. Um and if you go back to the 1960s and you look at the very first primitive operating systems that were rolled out, they didn't look like Windows at all. You know, they were very, very um, primitive and, and low level and, you know, just trying to get, you know, um, application two applications to run at the same time. And and we look at blockchains much like we look at computers and you need a common operating system, a common vernacular, a common interface so that any developer that sits down to any console or any any chain out there has a familiar interface and familiar concepts um, that are a, a bit higher abstracted than than the low level you know l1 based um cosmos sdk based things you know like like the one of the themes that i've heard in the last you know three calls or four calls before me was that we need to get away from all this tech jargon and make it easier for the users to to operate in and so that's that is what we are driving at um completely we want to we want to put as much of this into a a standardized system that it doesn't matter where you go in the cosmos there's always the same icons the same interactions the same vernacular and we're not having to, to visit 30 different websites to do 30 different things with four different wallets and 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 stuff so this operating system is sort of a unification layer both in 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 the lower level you know nuts and bolts operating system the smart contracts but also at the interface level yeah i mean that's this is high overview i appreciate your time i mean i would love to just keep digging in i'm sure we'll talk soon and we'll do further spaces thank you for stopping by cody next we have alex from secret network is it alex let me see make sure i got the right person yep alex can you hear me alex alex unmute your mic Hello, can you guys hear me? Thumbs up if you can hear me. Cody, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. All right, so not sure what's going on, but Alex, if you can hear me, it's your turn. Hmm. You're up here. <laughs> Hello? All right, go ahead, Alex. 
Alex, we can hear you. The format's pretty simple. It's just a quick little intro, what you guys, why you're doing, Hello, what you're doing, you 2024 Outlook and Roadmap. Yes. I think he can't hear me. Maybe. I don't know. Alex, I just removed you, and I'm going to invite you back up. No, I, we couldn't hear you. I apologize if some people could hear you, but I couldn't, and there, there were some comments, too. So I'm inviting you back up. Hopefully this works. We're so good so you know so far in one hour straight without any uh, interruptions or technical difficulties, and I guess Alex is having technical difficulties. So Alex, if you can hear me, I invited you back up. If not, let's just let's go back. Let's go to. Um, I mean, I mean, Cody, while you're here, I mean, just kill some time. Yeah, I I got a, a little comment from somebody uh, saying I should talk about the. Um, our our work with with secret and our our value for, and, and with privacy and why that's important. So inside the operating system, when you're when you're using it, um, you can use it from the command line, like I like to use, you know, the good old fashioned CLI, um, or you can use it through the web browser, you know, and have a a more you know um, pretty experience and maybe easier to use for some people. Um, one of the nice things is, let's say you have an asset out there. You you have a position, you've got a, a perp, you've got a loan, you've got whatever. Um, in, inside of our operating system and our web interface, you can literally right-click on that object that represents your position. And in that in that contextual menu, the right-click menu, uh, it comes up and there's many things you can do. You can send it to a friend, meaning you can basically send a um, a loan to a friend. You can actually, like, move it to somebody else without having to unwind it and then send over the assets, have them rewind it back up. Um, but what, what another cool thing you can do is you can just hit the little make private. You know, there's a little, little option there. It just says make private. And what that does in the background is it sends those assets and that call and that position over to secret. And it makes the whole, um, the whole, uh, object that you own in the operating system all of a sudden becomes private and privacy is just a right click away from, from uh, operating, and that's something that's really, really interesting because you know Secret has recently pivoted over to a um, privacy as a service model, in which we totally embrace because it's like, look, Secret does one thing and one thing really, really well. It does the privacy thing. That's like we all we all know that. You know, um, why don't why can't we be doing things on osmosis from from Secret? Um, well, you know, if, if you wanted to do that, you would have to write all these different you know one-off adapters. But if you have a common operating system, you write it once and it works everywhere. So the ability to to add these network effects inside the system is 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 pretty quick. I have Alex trying to come back up again. Yeah, but for those out there, it's like a misnomer in this space. When people hear privacy, they think of like you're hiding something or whatever you have. But it's not really the truth. I mean, a lot of these awesome technologies are built, but realistically, from like an accounting perspective, a lot of it really doesn't make sense at the same time because in order for the space to move forward, you need some sort of layer of privacy. And what Secret does is programmable privacy. So you can elect to, you know, like basically dis disclose your records if you want or not. So um, that's what we need because it's kind of dangerous. Like if I was out and about and I haven't seen someone in 20 years, I'm like, hey, you know, we're at a we're at a ball game. I'm like, I got I got you. Or you go to a, to a merchant and you buy something in crypto. They they like scan your wallet address in the, the you know uh, mint scan or whatever kind of scanner explorers there are, and then they know like your 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 net worth. Which I mean, that's not the way it is. Like someone can't just be like, oh yeah, I know your PayPal is. I know exactly how much you have in your bank account, what you're buying, how much you bought every single move you've done. So like in order for this space to move forward and also for institutionals, 
uh, money um, and hedge funds and everyone else in between, you know, like th- we need some sort of layer of security and privacy. And I guess Andromeda is kind of tapping and, and essentially doing all the legwork for everyone to kind of use that. So thank you for that. Alex, I have you up here. Let's see if we can give it another go around. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Loud and clear this time. Thank you. Let's go. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. I'm sorry about the hiccup. Uh, yeah, so really excited to be here. And thanks for the intro. You actually did half of my talk already in this very concise and precise way. So first of all, I want to introduce myself. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I'm new in, in Cosmos ecosystem. I know there is a bunch of OGs here. You have built this whole beautiful uh, country or continent of Cosmos. Um, I'm here since August last year i joined secret labs as the new ceo um and i'm you know before that my journey in crypto started with leading a project called beam which is a confidential uh layer one blockchain built on mimblewimble so i'm very uh connected to this privacy narratives and then i built a dex called virtual swap so i'm very connected to the DeFi narrative and i'm really enjoying this space here uh, i also kind of getting to love cosmos because of the of the kind of mentality and culture, which I think Mike Ippolito put it very nicely in one of the recent podcasts, I think it was on Bankless like several weeks ago, and he said that Ethereum is for highbrow like philosophers, Solana is like for precise engineers, and Cosmos is for tinkers. And you know, I think of myself also as kind of a tinker, uh, so I, you know, I'm really, really loving that so far. So. As to secret, uh, as it was just said here, right? Secret is all about uh, confidentiality. And I wanna differentiate between uh, transactional privacy or transactional confidentiality and computational confidentiality. And we are more of the side of computational confidentiality, right? So on secret, you create smart contracts. They can represent tokens. They can represent DEXs. They can represent anything. Uh, And everything that's going on inside is confidential. And this really opens up a lot of different use cases that are just impossible on the radically transparent blockchains out there, right? And um, our goal, uh, our strategy is actually to go outside secret and to focus on what we're doing best, which is this confidential computing, and to become really this confidential computing module or confidential computing layer for this modular blockchain world that we are kind of getting into uh, as, as we speak, right? That That's what's happening and everyone is trying to focus on what they ask and uh we are lucky uh or you know the founding team was very smart to choose a technology that's called uh environment so it's kind of a black box running inside an intel process and everything that goes in hey we're losing you keep going in and out alex and out uh, and write essentially any programs or any but, um okay can you hello yeah you're good now you you were cutting in and out for a bit there yeah so i i'm, I'm sorry i had to take this from the outside i hope the cellular service is better and and this i just moved a little bit so uh yeah so, so so what i was saying again we want to focus on what we do best and serve as this confidential computing module or confidential computing layer for the module of blockchain that we're growing into right now 
um, and sent to offer and it's the best like we're like uh, communicating with an alien right now <laughs> oh man sorry alex oh, you're getting kind of rough wow uh, yeah you're yeah yeah I, I think last time i remember yeah. i remember having uh the, the twitter space with you guys a long time ago it was happening to you like like back end too i don't know like twitter just must not like you or wi-fi doesn't like twitter or something sadly but um yeah i mean let's try a couple more minutes of just like what you're looking forward to in 2024 before i pass the mic over to uh seda see if your connection will sure. let you allow this <laughs> sure uh uh, what we're looking for in 2024 is really to expand outside our own uh, L1, uh, initially to EMs and then to uh, other places like Solana, and of course, of course, Cosmos. Uh, and the idea is that we're working on this uh, developer toolkit that creates uh, more and more primitives uh, like confidential value transfers, uh, confidential voting, uh, sealed bid auctions, and more and more use cases that are ready made for developers to take uh, and tweak a little, tweak around to match their own needs and build applications on that. So, so what we wanna achieve by the end of this year is have multiple applications actually running on different chains and using our confidential computing services to expand their functionality to do what was never possible before okay so that's uh, that's our main uh, that's our main goal uh, in addition to that we have announced that we're building what we call a confidential computing constellation so what we want to do is actually to bring more privacy or confidential computing oriented technologies together and create kind of a a super hub uh, where it's not just secrets technology but other technologies that uh, people outside can use also include some of the uh, confidential oriented actions we have we're working on and hopefully we'll be able to announce soon uh around that so to create really this place where all confidentiality uh so that's the thing uh for 2024 uh in addition to that we also want to make the experience on secret more starting vm guys uh working uh by guys like leap with their uh with their snaps extension or by the great team on secret that lets people use a mask right there but we want to go further we actually are aiming to have an evm compatible uh capability uh on secret enabling people to just run solidity contracts right on our chain with all the confidential computing benefits that we already give uh that's i guess that that's that's the main highlights of the plan for the coming year 
Sounds great. So I'll just try to do a TLDR because I, I think I can interpret some of the alien that was going on there. Essentially, a secret wants to be the hub for every application in all of crypto to tap into and you essentially leverage their technology with some sort of programmable privacy through secret. And like I said earlier, when I first got into the space, Secret was one of the first blockchains that resonated with me just from my real experience uh, in my real life. I'm an accountant and finance and accountant and and I've been doing that for like over a decade. And a lot of cool things in this space really can't move forward and flourish until there's some sort of layer of privacy, uh, you know, in it. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. I'm looking forward to 2024. Appreciate you stopping by, Alex. And next we have uh, we have Peter for SETA. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, sorry for the mix up. I'm joining from the SETA account, not from my personal account. <laughs> it's all good. So I don't know if you know the format. Just basically a quick little intro, essentially why you're doing what you're doing, 2024 roadmap, and the alpha that you want to share, things of that nature. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to listening to the space after the fact. I had meetings up until uh, a few minutes ago. So, um, But thank you so much for having me. Uh, really great to to chat to the broader you know Cosmos community. So I'm Peter. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Seda. Um, I got my start in crypto back in 2017 by building the first um, app store for decentralized applications. Um, so that was sort of my my foray into kind of like uh, the the first sort of touch point with crypto for most users. Um, in 2018, I met my co-founder Jasper. Um, we ended up meeting actually at ETH Berlin. Uh, at the first uh, East Berlin hackathon, um, ended up spending the weekend hacking together and decided that we wanted to uh, start something new. Uh, so we started the first app for derivatives on startups. So basically, we let anyone uh, take a long or short position in any company um, and used uh, Augur as our backend, as sort of like our Oracle and, and um, resolution mechanism. This is built on ETH. Um, there was a lot of obvious challenges sort of building at the top of the infrastructure stack back in 2018. Um, you know, at the time it was super expensive for transactions and, um, you know, on Augur at the time it was between like 10 and $15 to make a transaction. And our thesis was that as crypto would get sort of, you know, more adoption and more popular, the cost uh, for um, transacting on, on sort of a, a layer one blockchain would increase. And at the time there wasn't a ton of options for building. Um, and Ethereum was sort of the main one. So we started looking at other blockchains and long story short, we ended up building on Near. And um, over about two and a half years, we uh, built a lot of open uh, market infrastructure and also Oracle infrastructure on Near, uh, leading up to their mainnet launch. And about uh, two years ago now, we actually launched our first party Oracle. And uh, that was actually the second largest Oracle by Total Value Secured in um, just under eight weeks. So we launched it uh, because we saw a need on Evmos, uh, Near, and also Aurora, their EVM sidechain for, uh, you know, sort of a fast, uh, you know, push-based Oracle for price feeds. And so we launched that and uh, quickly grew, um, you know, to over 3.5 billion in total value secured. And I think, uh, you know, when we finally shut that product down in preparation of launch for SETA, we had enabled about 152 billion in total value on chain uh, with that first product. So, you know, our background is basically building, uh, you know, a ton of different infrastructure tools all the way from like a literal app store all the way down to like core infrastructure. And over the past 18 months, our team has spent, uh, you know, researching and designing what we call uh, the foundation for data and web three. So you can think of what SEDA uh, has basically built is a, a layer one 
uh, for uh, data access and transport between any blockchain network and the real world. Um, and so on top of that, you can build features that emulate, um, you know, basically uh, an Oracle. So you can create price feeds, you can create, you know, any type of API connection, you can build, um, you know, uh, modules that emulate uh, you know, that of a bridge. So you can connect to any RPC provider, um, you can connect to, uh, you know, any other type of blockchain data that you'd like to call. And so you can think of SADA as basically this uh, fully permissionless um, modular um, sort of stack that you can build, um, you know, any type of data application on top of. And um, how we designed it is quite unique. So, you know, in, in the sort of backing up to 2020 and 2022, sort of in that two year period, the main operating point between layer ones and layer twos was uh, bridges and centralized exchanges. Um, and, and so basically you have like a mess now of uh, a ton of different networks with this sort of uh, modular thesis playing out, you know, both in Cosmos and with other uh, sort of roll-up as a service companies. Right now, there's like over 230 unique uh, L1 and L2 networks that are live, uh, you know, across the, the blockchain space. And um, this number is only going up, right? It's only becoming easier and easier to launch uh, new, you know, L1s and L2s. And, um, you know, sort of our prediction for 2025 is that we'll see between like 500 to 1,000 uh, purpose-built individual app chains, rollups, and um, you know L1s, and so what we basically built with Seda is rather than deploying our native uh, sort of contracts for an Oracle or for a bridge, all we deploy is basically this relay contract design, and we have an overlay network that's responsible for you know fetching, uh, capturing, and posting uh, data from whatever source a protocol um, you know basically uh, inputs for that destination, and so what this allows us to do is support. Uh, over 140 EVM networks uh, after our launch, um, you know, in, in uh, Q1 this year, um, with rollout for support to these 230 networks, um, you know, that are, are Rust-based, are Move-based, Go, etc. And so we actually shorten the integration time down from what's usually six to nine months to deploy an Oracle or a bridge to a new L1 or L2. And we take this down to uh, instant connections for all event networks and for uh, custom networks like a Cosmos chain, it's about 24 hours. Um, that's my spiel on SEDA. Um, that's where you know we've come from, where we're building. And um, to date, we've raised a little bit over 22 million. Um, we're uh, you know, have backers like Coinbase Ventures, Distributed Global, Coin Fund, among uh, many, many others, and we're super excited to get you know launched and live on Cosmos uh, later this quarter. That's exciting. So it's basically Q1, the launch. You guys are in test net right now. Is there anything else that you're like ex super excited about? Like why? You, first off, like why'd you even come to Cosmos? I guess and build your own app chain. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, thank you. I, I mean, to, to start, we basically, uh, we're actually going to build this as a shard on Nier. Um, so we thought that we could build a lot of the functionality and features as sort of a, uh, you know, basically a roll up right on Nier. Um, we had looked at Cosmos earlier in this journey uh, while we started to build uh, out SEDA. But we realized that what we really wanted and what we really needed access to was a, a fully customizable stack for building this layer one, because there's a ton of custom uh, sort of functionality that we've built in to allow our overlay network to uh, you know function properly with data requests. And so Cosmos has provided us with a super flexible sort of vanilla stack that we've been able to uh, build a ton of custom functionality around, um, you know, to basically build SATA into a really awesome product. And so, you know, we, we think that Cosmos is the most advanced 
uh, sort of app chain infrastructure. And we think that its features, you know, definitely go farther than what you would find uh, with most uh, rollups or EVM uh, sort of side chains at the moment. Um, and so I think, you know, for us, you know, we're aiming to uh, create a, a layer that's able to process, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in value per day. Um, and a ton of transactions, you know, with a ton of chains and a ton of protocols. And I think that, you know, the, the, the larger vision, what we're super excited for in 2024 is chain abstraction. And, um, you know, right now the, uh, protocol stack and the L1, L2 stack is super cluttered. Like I was, you know, mentioning earlier. And for a user coming in, you have, you know, Kepler, you have MetaMask, you have Phantom, you have Rabi, you know, Zerion, et cetera, Rainbow Wallet. And the list goes on of, of wallets. And then you have different chains, different gas, et cetera. And, you know, our sort of thesis is that the future is going to be these chain abstraction entry points where uh, SATA will be used as a basically an intent network to bridge a user's intent to any L1 or L2, making it possible for a user to come into, you know, any one of these entry points and be able to transact across, you know, 230 unique chains, you know, source liquidity, source trades, whatever it may be from any one of these L1s or L2s. And all of that will be routed through, uh, you know, SATA. And so this is what we're working on with a few different different, you know, L1 uh, sort of chain abstraction teams right now um, that are, are building in this uh, sort of space. And, um, you know, I, I hope before the end of 2024, uh, most users coming into crypto won't need to understand, you know, what's a base layer, uh, what's a gas token. They can just have a super easy permissionless experience. And, uh, you know, we believe that SATA will be sort of this HTTP that allows this data to flow, you know, across all these different networks in the real world. You kind of just answered my question while you were doing your thing. I was going to say, like, why should the end user even care? Like what, like, you know, but you, you basically just answered that quite well, to be honest with you. So I, in essence, like, what is the value that, I mean, I understand what it is, but just for those listening, like what's the total value for like a chain or a protocol more so let's just use DeFi applications. Like how can you make like a DeFi protocol, let's just use like Osmosis for an example, because most people here are probably real familiarized or have used it at some point or another in their journey in Cosmos. Like, what kind of value could you potentially add to um, Osmosis that would give it, make it better, more efficient, or maybe potentially allow it to do things it can't even do right now? Yeah, so you know, Osmosis is basically um, you know building this thesis that they are the app chain for trading within Cosmos, right? And and a bunch of other different features with staking, with lending, etc. Um, you can think of Osmosis's future with Sedes. This could be the chain for trading across any uh, you know ecosystem, right? So if a user comes in on you know Solana with a Phantom wallet and they want to you know buy, let's say, Say or Tia they're able to plug in uh, right to Osmosis and they don't even need to know what Osmosis is. They, they trade swap, that liquidity is routed through Osmosis and it gives them the best price. And um, I think that that's you know, sort of the future that we're creating here for uh, sort of interoperability is that we're pushing this a step further. You know, there's interoperability within Cosmos and in the existing space that exists there today, um, but we're sort of elevating this design space. And so in my opinion, you know, for the user, the future looks like you know, basically omni protocols that are able to operate across any different network and are able to source liquidity, source, um, you know, assets, whatever it may be, and all of that being interconnected, you know, basically with SATA. And I think, you know, if we do it right, <laughs> SATA 
should become something that, you know, isn't even, uh, you know, present on the, the sort of top of the stack. The user just interacts with your application, with your protocol, and is able to get, you know, um, liquidity, get data, get whatever it needs to do from any source within crypto. Um, so I think that, that's sort of what the future that we're looking for, for, uh, you know, chains like Osmosis that are trying to, to really build the best experience possible for users across a bunch of different networks. Yeah, just to reset the room. So I, I didn't mention this earlier, but everyone, you know, when speakers come up, you should be adding them as, you know, you should be following them. You know, that they're given valuable information. And also, I don't really ever ask this in any of my spaces, but just a like and retweet, because I think this entire space is very valuable to anyone that listens to this, whether in Cosmos or just someone in another chain or someone maybe new to this space as a whole. But I guess, like, we'll give you, like, another minute. What is your closing thought? Like, what are you most excited about in 2024, uh, this upcoming year? Yeah, so, um, you know, we, we basically are getting ready for our token migration. So currently... Our token is is uh, live. It's called FLX. Uh, this was from our first Oracle product that we built. Um, so this token will be uh, you know claimable one to one for SEDA. So we have a, a similar kind of design concept as DYDX, where we'll have an Ethereum token basically poured over and become the native token of the SEDA chain. Um, and so I'm super excited about that migration that will be you know launching. Uh, you know we're aiming for. Uh, mid March for that migration, uh, so the launch of the state of chain and that token migration. Um, so super excited for the launch of that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm super excited to kind of see what use cases are being built. I mean, we've been talking to a ton of really smart founders that are building uh, a lot of chain abstractions or entry point chains, um, and I think that that is is what I'm super excited about for 2024 because you know this basically will uh, elevate the user experience to such a level that. You know, it, it'll be really easy for new users to come and onboard into crypto. And I think that that's, you know, coming back from my, my humble routes as, you know, building an app store as my first product, um, you know, crypto is difficult to understand. It's difficult to grasp. It's difficult to onboard into. And I think if we want to get to a point where we can really enable mainstream adoption, it has to be super, super simple. Um, you know, another thing that we're really excited about in 2024 is, uh, you know, SEDA is basically uh, a super, super attractive product for TradFi. Because basically what we're building is a standardized layer for data. So rather than having like, you know, you have like USDC-E, USDC-A, USDC-Noble, USDC-Axelar, blah, blah, blah. And that you can multiply it times, you know, 100,000 across every one of these chains and every one of these assets. But what SATA does is creates like a standard for any type of data, whether it be a token standard, whether it's a, you know, standard for NFTs, a standard for, you know, price feeds. And, um, and that allows for a much simpler user experience for the user. And it allows for standardization, which is what, you know, uh, Larry Fink from BlackRock was talking about, um, you know, on I think it was CNBC or maybe it was Bloomberg about how, you know, the, the future of what we're building is on-chain tokenization of assets. And SEDA is the perfect fit, uh, you know, for the future of real world asset tokenization and any type of standardization of assets on-chain. Man, you did really well. This is a good, good, good uh, speech. What what I think I heard in there too, subliminally, is maybe when you guys migrate over, the community might be looking forward to something. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But you know, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't comment on that now. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, thank you so much. It's great to to chat with um, you know some more of the causal ecosystem. Like I said, we're we're quite new. We're new kids on the block. Um, you know, we're starting to get 
you know, try to get our name out there a little bit more in the causeless community and, and tell more people what we're building. And um, you can find me uh, at real Peter JM on Twitter. Um, my, my account is in here. And I also posted a thread that I wrote recently about sort of the future of SATA and what this looks like with chain abstraction and modularity. So really appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for stopping by. And next we have EO, EIOZ. We have Ermin. Yes. Hi. Hello. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ermin Chiputra. I'm the founder of AEOS Network. Thank you for uh, Cosmos Host for inviting AEOS to share our project. So what is AEOS Network? AEOS Network is a depend for Web3, AI, storage, and streaming. And essentially now, I think uh, everyone is a rage about the pin, right? So what is the pin to AOS network? Uh, the pin is actually a node application that we have built, uh, whereby if you have a computing device, be it an OS uh, or Windows or Mac OS or Linux, you'll be able to download, install, and run. And you'll be able to uh, participate in this global network of the pins. Currently, we have about 60,000 nodes that are downloaded and um, so-called powering the ecosystem. And what is in this ecosystem that we have built, right? So we have four main infrastructure services that we have built, the main pillars, uh, one of which is in a storage business, storage as a service. Uh, one is an S3 compatibility, and the other one is an IPFS pinning service. So I think IPFS pinning service is very, um, I would say, um, uh, very much uh, understood by the Web3 crypto projects out there who require NFT, uh, you know, pinning service, who want to do a, a NFT platform, you know, like an OpenSea, they will require a form of an F NFT pinning service, right? So I think that is a very good uh, storage business that we're in. These are the two subsets of a storage business. The third uh, infrastructure as a service that we're rolling out is the streaming. So streaming is actually something uh, we're focusing on as well, uh, which is the video on demand and live streaming, uh, which uses the GPU and uh, basically uh, we need transcoding, right? Transcoding all the audios and the videos into different codecs across a fragmented ecosystem of devices. Because we have a, um, you know, uh, Android, we have a, uh, Apple, right? all of this, even within their phones, we have another browsers which are all dominated by each browser and each browser have their own codecs like a VP8 and a VP9 codecs for Google Chrome. And then you have H.264 for, uh, let's say, Safari. So each of them have their own, like, I would say, mm, their own use case, right? So we have to transcode all these code uh, files, formats, across a very fragmented uh, so-called system. And then last but not least, we're also doing decentralized AI compute. Uh, what does it mean is that we basically take, uh, we allow developers to join and participate in the ecosystem of ours so that you can store the data sets, you can do training models, you can do inferencing, and you can, you can build AI dApps on top of that. So the depends actually for us and Note uses four main, uh, three main uh, device, right? One is a HDD and SSD in storage of the files. Two, uh, we're gonna use the GPU uh, at, the, at the device level for two purposes. One is the transcoding, I just mentioned for the VOD and live streaming. The other one in GPU is for um, AI compute. So GPU now is, um, I would say, and very, very much demand. There's a short supply out there in the market 
for uh, NVIDIA chipsets, you know, NVIDIA GPUs, because right now AI is all the rage and computes are necessary for developers like us, right? So we're offering, uh, with this shortage of supply out there, we're in the right sweet spot to meet the demand using, uh, would say, the unused compute resources of the device out there in the world, right, to participate. And then the, uh, the other uh, device specification that we require is, basically bandwidth. So we need a stable bandwidth, we need a fast bandwidth, because at the end of the day, bandwidth is uh, the main driver of the whole entire economy. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, that's what we're doing. We're also a Cosmos-based SDK. We're also EVM compatible. So we chose Cosmos because we love the Cosmos um, ecosystem, the scalability, the, I would say the interoperability as all the projects here are very attuned to, right? We also like the idea that it's a very, very well-documented platform where, you know, developers can come in to choose and pick, uh, you know, and so-called build this uh, vision of an uh, internet or blockchain. That really fits well to us. We're the developers. We are a team of 39 developers, hardcore. We're in AI. We're the developers in engineering. Uh, we're also in front-end, back-end, blockchain. Right, so we understand uh, some of these nuances of blockchain, the the pros and cons, and you know, given that why uh, you know we have a choice in the in the past, you know, we can choose Ethereum, we can choose uh, you know different kind of projects out blockchains out there. Um, not to say the you know uh, which is good or which is bad. I think each project has to decide what is the deciding factor of why you want to apply. You know what you need, the needs. So AOS Network decides to use uh, Cosmos SDK, and that's why we're here to showcase our product to the Cosmos ecosystem. Yeah, thank you. You're, yeah, it was great. So, quick follow-up questions: Are you guys live right now? Uh, yes, correct. So uh, we're live. We're on the mainnet. So we're basically connected to RPC to Cosmos Hub. And recently, we have started to RPC to Osmosis, right? So um, we're definitely live at L1, yes. So how would so someone go about, I'm assuming you guys have a token, correct? Oh, yes, that's right. So uh, we have, uh, we're multi, we believe in the multi-chain architecture as well. So although we are an AOS, uh, I would say uh, Cosmos SDK, uh, Cosmos mainnet is a native Cosmos. We're also Ethereum, ET, uh, ERC20 and also BAP20, right, token. And currently... So do you guys, go ahead. Do you guys have a liquidity pool on Osmosis? Uh, as of now, not yet. We're planning to build one soon and currently in conversation as well, yes. So okay. we have a couple of uh, exchange out there that's listing uh, our ERC20s and BAP20s, yeah. Nice. So for, for the infrastructure, like let's say someone had the URC 20 version, how do they go about getting that like natively on, you know, in Cosmos? Mm. Do you guys have your own or like you, are you using someone for that? All right. So we've built a bridge uh, for the temporary transition, right? So what we have done is that if anyone wants to have an ERC uh, to transit into a native uh, EOS, they'll be able to use the bridge that we provide right, seamlessly, the mint and burn technique. And currently in 2024, we have a plan to release the gravity bridge. So currently we have already sort of did a hard fork upgrade on our own. Uh, we have already enabled it, but we are st still process, I mean, I would say we're still doing a lot of QA on a gravity bridge, which is a decentralized bridge, uh, which is able to, um, I would say, 
bring over EVM compatible chain into Cosmos, vice versa. All right. Yeah. So I, we'll wrap it up here. Do you have any closing thoughts or for, for 2024? What are you most excited for? Yeah, I think what we're most excited for is building out the releasing and shipping all the four main infras that I just talked about to be a provider of choice. Also for the ecosystem of Cosmos, we would love to onboard you. And I think we'll be able to give uh, special, you know, uh, startup programs uh, to contact with us. And, you know, if you're in a, you definitely need storage, you need a form of uh, pinning service, definitely if you're an NFT project. If you're an AI, great, talk to us. You know, we'll be able to store your data sets. We'll be able to do computes and the inferencing, right? And in the future, we're going to do a training model. Right, so I think uh, that's something I want to leave off with to so-called uh, communicate to the Cosmos ecosystem that we're here in 2024. You're gonna hear us more and more, and uh, thank you for inviting. Yeah, my pleasure. So the common theme for those out there listening, uh, it seems like you know multiple already. This is a few, two or three now that we've had uh, teams that deployed initially outside of IBC, and now they're in. They're coming here. So, you know, the thesis is strong. Cosmos is strong. IBC is strong. The tech is strong, and um, it's exciting. This year has been you know really exciting, and it's just nice to see. And I appreciate you stopping by. Next, we have Nikita from Decenter. Hi guys. Hello everybody. Ghost. Um, how you've been doing well. Uh, so the, the format's pretty straightforward. I think you've been listening, so I think you probably understand, but just do your thing, man. Yeah, listening from the beginning, a lot of exciting stuff, a lot of uh new stuff for me. And I think this is this this is amazing uh meeting of the minds, I would say, because I think not only the uh, you know, the regular listeners would benefit from, you know, from all this information, but at the same time, the other builders, um, because, you know, you can find out pretty good connections here. And, 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 and actually, you know, I think a lot of interest and stuff is going on in the cosmos. So, which is awesome, which is always awesome because, you know, like the, the more we grow, the better it is. And, and the more exciting projects there are, it's the better it is. So, um, but yeah, um, I guess I'll do like a short intro and then talk a little bit about, you know, next year. I mean, this year already. Uh, yeah, my name is Nikita. I'm CTO and the co-founder of the center. We are the uh, Web3 web browser uh, based on Cosmos. Uh, we have uh, the whole, you know, kind of reward system based on Cosmos. We have the... Uh, also, the we embraced a lot of the IBC, the stuff that that's you know, uh, because of IBC, we we basically try to connect to as many projects as possible and use and give kind of usability to our users through you know through the web browser, uh, multiple things such as you know being that, uh, for example, the Sentinel. Uh, for the VPN, uh, the origin, as you guys, you know, talked in the beginning, uh, you know, for the AI stuff, for the visual AI stuff, um, you know, multiple other chains within talks uh, to get, you know, to get the um, kind of utility of Cosmos, you know, forward facing to the users. And this is, you know, this is really good, you know, because the, Again, we love the IBC, we love the whole concept, the whole, you know, uh, and the usability of that is that, you know, everybody can connect to everybody in in fairly simple and easy way, you know. Um, 
so yeah, I guess the uh, 2024, we're looking forward um, to bring more usability to the users. And a couple of speakers before me said that the uh, Cosmos is awesome and great, but we need to lower kind of entrance for the rest of the crypto people. And especially because, you know, a lot of the stuff is going on, you know, people moving from chains. Uh, but at the same time, they want, you know, the they already got used to something. So, for example, one one part that we uh, move it forward that, you know, chain agnostic stuff is through the squid router, through the XLR. Um, you know, they, they've been, you know, huge on the technological side, which also helps a lot. And the, uh, basically we want to, we want to achieve in 2024, the true chain agnostic type, uh, browser where you can go inside and not even know, you know, use uh, the MetaMask or use, you know, any other, uh, common wallet or any other chain and, uh, still be connected to Cosmos and use all the cosmos has to give which is it's not only you know uh very robust very good network but it, there is also a ton of different utility projects that can be used uh by you know end user and and benefit end user can benefit from that so uh that's kind of in short from what i had to say unless you had additional questions i mean i'm not going to take your horn but i mean i i think your the browser for me personally has been a, a better experience and this is no knock on brave but you know when i first got into this space and it was like brave browser and um you know full disclosure i had like four monitors and the way i kind of set my computer up my pc is to have multiple profiles and in each monitor i might have like two or two or three different profiles so it's almost essentially like having a different computer each time so they don't kind of fight one another and you know i'll set up a profile specifically for this this um thing that i'm doing and that thing that i'm doing and one of the one of the things that i noticed Initially, I kind of put it on the back burner to come over to the center because I'm like, man, I got all these bookmarks and I just I'm, I, it took me forever to be like that organized. But slowly but surely, I kind of migrated from Brave over to the center. And I think personally, my experience has been so much better. I think it interacts better. It's, it just interacts uh, better with DeFi applications and protocols and just search and everything in between. I just feel like it was, uh, it's just more efficient. It's quicker. It's faster. I don't get as many errors. It doesn't crash. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if it's ever crashed on me, but maybe it has, but it, you know, like I've always, I was running into so many issues with brave, right? Like a new protocol would launch like Monolis. I know we're going to have them as a speaker, big fans of them as well, but I could not get my Kepler wallet to just, just essentially work on Nolus when it first came out. I tried everything, clear cash, whatever, whatever you, you could. And I just could never get it to work. And then as soon as I started using the center, it was just like, it just was better experience. So maybe on a technical side, just enumerate why it's more efficient for, for you guys ever brave. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Well, you see the, uh, the thing about brave is that they also have, quite big and like they have huge technological team but the the problem that is the biggest problem is that once you start growing it add a lot of features you need to add the features very carefully because the code base is so huge uh for the chromium and we based on that stuff on chromium that you have to first cut out a whole ton of stuff because even in the open source chromium they ship with like a bunch of 
stuff that just sends your info to Google, even though it's supposed to be like, you know, open source and good stuff, you know, but it's not. Uh, so we have to first cut out a lot of the stuff. And at the same time, when you add in the different options, different new functionality, you have to be careful because it immediately overburdens. It's such a, um, it's such an insane memory hog that any, you know, any additions or subtractions, it might like just make it like very unusable. So it's like a thin line. And at the same time, you have to keep up with the versions because a lot of the plugins and stuff like be that, you know, uh, the Kepler MetaMask or any other plugin, not even crypto related, they get, they start um, they start to slow down or break if you don't keep up with the versions. So it's like a constant race. That's why like we kind of ask our users to be patient because we're not you know as we're not a huge <laughs> yet I guess as yeah, brave. Let's face it, you guys probably didn't raise nearly as much, and you don't have as many people, but. I mean, I, I mean, like I'm saying, I'm not trying to toot your horn, but I just know it's it's better because when I was using Brave, I have a really powerful computer and my RAM was getting, I mean, it was up there like on max capacity with not the, with with the same amount of stuff that I have up right now on my screen. And I can literally game on my computer and keep all this stuff up and, um, you know, my I'll be fine. But I could not do that with Brave. I'd have to close everything down. It was just too intensive for my computer. Even CPU, I don't know what what, what happened with Brave. When I first started using it, it was good. And then, like... Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's additional fun, functionality. That's what really, like, it's a thin line. Like, you have to be very careful. That's why I love... Uh, I love my guys that do it, you know, every day, the, the C++ guys, they, they, they're insane, you know, because it's so much, so much junk there, but it's all necessary junk because everybody's on Chromium now, like the whole world is on Chromium anyway, you know, so it has to be something like that. So to support at least, you know, all the crypto stuff is, is low. Well, yeah. And then like for, for you guys, you, what I really like what you guys are, are implementing as well is you're kind of tapping into different texts within cosmos like i know you have sentinel on there you have o wallet you have leap like all these things kind of come natively as soon as you you know if you're downloading the break or you're downloading the dissenter browser for the very first time which is nice because that's the problem too is when you go to go to brave or any different browser then you have to go and and find all these different like wallet extensions or just extensions as, as a whole and you guys are kind of implementing that i know currently you guys have pre-search with as your you know default search engine and it's just nice to see because like the way i roll is I want to 100% be in crypto. Like everything that I'm using, I want it to be a crypto application. And that's just kind of the way I roll. But I think you guys are doing a great job. And, you know, if, if anyone out there hasn't tried out the center, I highly recommend it. You know, I I, I kind of put my reputation behind it. You know? <laughs> and I'm not going to say to say that. I just, I just personally like it. It's it's been a better experience. And it's a knock on Brave. Like I'm not trying to be like Brave's terrible or anything like that. I just for me, it's just runs more efficiently. So I can't I, I can't say about the 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 mobile side. I'm just not really a big mobile user, so I have no clue. I can't comment on that. But from a PC side, and also from a Mac side, because I also have it on my laptop. So, but anyways, like I guess the closing thoughts of 2024. Like, what are you most excited about? And then we're gonna get to the next uh, speaker. Yeah, I think. Well, you actually mentioned it. Like when we we're very excited about the 
you know, how we combine everything together and you can get like the truly Web3 experience. We basically, for 2024, we want to make it as smooth as possible. So when you open browser, it's not just installs for your style, but actually guides you and gives you like a very, you know, very good intro that you can like, you know, start immediately using all this stuff. And the second one is that uh, to bring the mobile up to par, because right now it's a little bit lagging behind on all the functionality, but we want to bring it finally to the same kind of standard as we have the desktop browser. So hopefully it's going to be a good, good year. So. Yep. Thanks for stopping by as always. We've had a lot of great conversations over the last few years together and I'm looking forward to, you know, you guys continually improving and I can say that you guys have since I've been using it and just as a whole. So thank you for what you're doing. Next we have up. Alexander. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We have Alexander that's um, with Sentinel, uh, core contributor. Good morning, guys. <clears throat> so, GMGM. GM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what's up? Yeah, so I don't know if you knew the, the basically the the format is pretty simple. Just a quick intro, you know, what why are you doing what you guys are doing? Why did you start what you're doing? And also, you know, like 2024 Outlook and Roadmap and any alpha is always appreciative as well. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, um, as some of you know, uh, we're working on a Sentinel VPN, which is decentralized VPN network. Um, so far, we... Um, we exist already for uh, for several years, and we initially started as a project on top of the uh, basically Ethereum-based uh, network, and uh, then uh, eventually switched to the Cosmos uh, because of all the perks that it has to offer. And um, yeah, so our goal is to ensure that we can provide people with a um, sort of online marketplace uh, where they where one group of people can offer their uh, basically uh, data, uh, their bandwidth uh, for others uh, for others to use and basically offer their um, their computers, their uh, their servers, their internet connection for others to be in exit points uh, to the internet. So for example, uh, if uh, you uh, do have a pretty good stable internet connection and uh, you got unlimited bandwidth, uh, you probably want to uh, at least cover your um, ISP provider uh, costs, right? So you might want to offer uh, your uh, your internet connection to the Sentinel network for others to use so they will be able to connect to your uh, device and get online through it, use it as a gateway, and basically you will get paid uh, with the DVPN tokens or any other crypto which is uh, uh, IBC supported uh, on the Cosmos uh, chain, then uh, basically you can monetize uh, that sort of stuff and uh, get yourself uh, at least internet connectivity covered or even uh, earn some good money on it if you do that in more larger scales, I would say. So, uh, so far we made a really big leap uh, for last several months, we uh, we build up a sort of a white label SDK, which allows not only uh, us developing applications for uh, Sentinel blockchain, but also uh, for a broader community to build on top of Sentinel. And uh, we encouraging more and more companies to come and uh, use uh, 
Sentinel uh, in their existing solutions, if we're talking about centralized VPN providers, uh, so they can adopt this decentralization part uh, with our assistance, or uh, we help people from scratch building their own uh, very own VPN apps, uh, which are based on top of a Sentinel. And uh, yeah, so uh, we had a pretty good start with that for the last few months. We got an application uh, from uh, Turkish human rights activists, which launched um, a VPN, which translates into English as independent VPN, uh, which is extremely popular in Turkey. It's uh, it's already over several uh, thousands of downloads there and uh, active users. We see that there's a, uh, over 100,000 total unique users. We passed this bar this month. And uh, we're not stopping there. We see that number increase each day. For example, today it's already 115,000 total unique users. And uh, people more and more trying not to only consume what Sentinel has to offer, but also provide for others who are using uh, Sentinel blockchain, Sentinel DVPN, they're offering their uh, servers uh, they create and uh, spin up uh, DVPN nodes. So for now, we have already over 10,000 uh, DVPN nodes online, which is far more than any other uh, VPN provider in the world can offer. So <clears throat> we, we did quite a great job there. Uh, and uh, yeah, we currently working with uh, over, over a dozen um, of uh, white labels which uh, came to us uh, came to us and asked us to help them uh, <clears throat> building on top of Sentinel. And uh, yeah, uh, so we expect that <clears throat> this year uh, we're gonna hit, uh, with, hit the market with much more uh, applications built on top of our, uh, of our chain. Uh, and uh, this one of the very, I would say rare um, parts um, of a crypto market where the project which is built on top of the blockchain has um, uh, like concept of real use from the very from the very beginning and as we as we see uh, as we see that there is a thousands t- tens of thousands of people going online from countries where there is a uh, not that much internet freedoms digital freedoms from china iran and many other countries uh, which has some sort of resources blocked or some internet censorship, and they getting online using Sentinel while no other uh, VPN service works. Also, uh, we have uh, this uh, like special sauce of our VPN is that it's decentralized, and uh, this is something that uh, barely someone uh, did before us uh, in in a proper way. I would I would say uh, that. Uh, for example, in Russia, uh, they they started to go after centralized VPN services, uh, and they basically just block them. So uh, the resources you're trying to reach, for example, Facebook or Instagram, they're banned in Russia. So you, you are not able to access them unless you have a VPN. And uh, essentially, VPN services are being banned there as well. Uh, and since they're centralized, uh, Government can go after a certain legal entity, ban all of their servers, all of their networks, and basically that's it, end of story, and remove those apps from the App Store and Google Play. But uh, with the decentralization, what this is all about, uh, it is not the case because 
there is no single entity to go after. There is a uh, uh, tens uh, of thousands of different uh, uh, DVPN nodes uh, online. There is a uh, thousands of users, uh, and all of them are not uh, associated with uh, each another uh, anyhow. And that gives us this very unique uh, capability of uh, standing. Uh, where others couldn't. And uh, basically, uh, in this, these specific regions where other VPN services, classic ones, are unable to work, uh, DDPN uh, based on Sentinel, uh, does a pretty good job. So yeah, um, that's, that's what we do. And uh, we, uh, we had pretty, uh, I would say, uh, rough uh, and uh, uh, complicated development uh, for past year and a half, uh, which we're basically was rewriting whole stuff, and we launched uh, uh, a new, uh, more sophisticated uh, ways for you for users to pay for uh, their DPN, so they can pay not for one DPN node but for several ones included in the one subscription plan, and uh, and etc. And uh, yeah, we're not stopping there. We we, we continue to deliver and. Uh, we expect in this year uh, for much more VPN apps to come. For example, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, uh, just today, uh, we had over 4,000 uh, active unique users. That means that there is at least four four and a half uh, thousand people uh, who opened at least once uh, the VPN app uh, based on Sentinel today and used it for, for their own good. Uh, and... Uh, Right now, we see that there's over 2,000 people are online. And uh, so far, uh, since we switched to Cosmos, uh, we, uh, through all of the network, uh, over 200 terabytes of data uh, was consumed by customers, which is, which is insane. This is actually uh, a big portion of traffic. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what we do. Yeah, and just like the center, um, I, I, I'm not to toot your horn either, but I use Solar, which on my Mac, which is great. I think you guys have, if I'm not mistaken, you have that. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but Melee, Melee, yeah, Melee, Melee, and then is there another one as well? Well, uh, there is a Solar DVPN, Melee DVPN. Uh, there is a Base DVPN which launched recently, and this. Uh, Turkish one, which is called Bugimzis. Um, there's a, an official proof of concept application uh, for Sentinel coming right up soon. Uh, we expect that to be ready this or next month. Uh, so it will be like sort of official Sentinel app, which will set an example for others. Uh, and also there is a, uh, one other application which were announced just recently, uh, which is meant for Chinese market uh, called uh, Kaishen VPN. So we expect that one to be uh, uh, to be available on the both Google Play and Apple Store already this month. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a plenty of them. Uh, um, as a matter of fact, and um, yeah, uh, there's <laughs> each each month we uh, we see that there's a new uh, new and new companies uh, are willing to build on top of a Sentinel and launching their apps. So. Explain real simplistically to those out there listening, because I made a post not too long ago. Do you use a deep or you do you use a VPN? And a lot of people said no, which I don't. I don't know. I guess because I think 
in, in the back of their minds. They're also uh, conditioned to realize that like a VPN usually for the most part is very centralized and all that data has like only one entry and one exit. So yes, the people that are running the particular VPN networks can understand and see all that data, but you know, explain the difference between what the uh, VPN is Sentinel compared to just like a traditional browser VPN that like people are accustomed oh, it's to. Sort of like in comparison with NordVPN or ExpressVPN and all that sort of stuff. All right. Yeah, sure. That's a great question, actually. So uh, the main point of using VPN, you can use it for basically two purposes. Uh, First one and the main one, uh, people are using that to protect themselves while being online from uh, from stalking, basically from uh, uh, third parties uh, which they did not ask to watch over them. Uh, so the crucial part here is that you have to trust the centralized VPN provider to use it. Uh, what do I mean uh, by saying that? That, for example, if you use, let's say, there is a centralized VPN, let's call it, I don't know. ABC VPN, whatever. Uh, in order to use one, uh, you have to pay them. Uh, and most of the centralized VPN services, they accept payments with the credit cards, uh, PayPal, and, and so on. So while you're signing up there, they already know who you are. They have your links to your identity. And there is literally nothing stopping them from associating your traffic uh, with your identity and basically having that link. And uh, they they offering you to believe them that they do not keep logs, they do not keep track of uh, what you are doing online. And uh, there is essentially uh, no way for you or for anyone else to check it. So we, we're supposed to just believe it. Um, with the Sentinel DVPN and DVPN in general, uh, it is not the case. Uh, we don't ask you to believe anything. Uh, what is being said by anyone, uh, we operate with the conception of zero trust. So while you're paying for DVPN uh, for your DVPN app provider, uh, they know uh, that you have paid them, but your identity is concealed behind the uh, basically a Web 3.0 wallet, which does not have your name there, which does not have uh, basically anything about you except that, okay, there was some tokens and you spend them on DVPN. That's it. Uh, and uh, on the other side, there is uh, thousands, uh, tens of thousands of DVPN nodes available online. Each, each of them are managed by different people, different uh, entities, different, different enthusiasts. Uh, and uh, none of them have any clue uh, who you are and uh, basically, the only way for them um, to basically stock you is uh, if they operate all of the parts of the product. Uh, and uh, with the Sentinel DPN, it's not the case because uh, Nodes does not know uh, who you are, what is your identity. They, in most cases, they might not even get um, your well, your payment in Web 3.0 means because you might want to pay to a plan provider which offering nodes and, and, and so on. So um, in that case, it's much more reliable. And the second, um, second uh, I would say, use for VPNs is to bypass regional restrictions, right? So... Uh, many of people, they some some of the people, they do not care about them being protected online, but they would like to bypass some regional restrictions. And uh, 
again, uh, DVPN does far better job there rather than centralized VPN services. And uh, the reason is why uh, that um, centralized VPN services, they are centralized by its nature. So they are linked to one single legal entity. They have limited number of servers. Uh, they have to, uh, some static IP addresses which are assigned to them. They have specific networks which governments or other companies can, can go after. And uh, they uh, basically can be blocked as well uh, as, as services you would like to access. And uh, with the DVPN, it's not the case. Uh, we see that by example already uh, in certain countries. For example, in Russia, uh, we are officially blocked. So we are listed in the, um, there is a such, sort of register of government, uh, banned by government, uh, services that are banned by government and the resources that are banned by government and Sentinel and Solar DVPN are listed there. Uh, but despite that, people from Russia are still able to access uh, our product and able to get online, for example, to uh, read more sort of uh, independent journalisms, uh, news, and, and, and so on. So um, DVPN does far better job there as well. All right, man. Thank you for stopping by, Alexandra. Yeah, I, I, I believe I, it's a great, it's a great product, and it's something that we need. I, I, I think it's. My, my comment is, I think it's kind of criminal and inhumane to tell people what they can and can't view um, on the internet, and have they don't have access to certain data or content just because of their geographical region. I mean, most people don't decide where they're born and raised at, to be honest totally. with you. So. I'll leave it at that, not to get confrontational or anything, but appreciate you stopping by. Uh, we had a little schedule shape up here. Next was supposed to be Tempe, Gareth, uh, the founder of that, but we're going to substitute Frazier because he was after that. So Frazier is with Czech. Um, go ahead, Frazier. Hey, happy new year. And hopefully my audio is working. It sounds good, man. Great. Oh, awesome. Well, again, okay. happy new year and uh, happy new year to everyone else. Um, see some familiar faces. So uh, I've got 12 minutes, but we've got th kind of three layers to, to check. Um, so quite a lot to cover in a short time. Um, so for those who don't know, um, we built check to be the layer one for decentralized ID, self-sovereign ID, uh, but specifically to enable payments for DID and credentials. Um, and so for those who don't, don't know, yeah, SSI or decentralized ID is the idea that you as an individual should own or control your data. Um, and that should be like, regardless of what that is, whether that is your passport, your driving license, receipts, your like, you know, your DNA, your gym history, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so really Czech's purpose is to make it so that um, not only do individuals get uh, to own or control that data, your data, um, but also that the entire ecosystem works from a monetary commercial perspective, um, including rewards and payments directly to users. Um, so like I was saying, we've it's kind of worth splitting checked into three. Um, also, we kind of worked into those three layers. Um, I'll rattle through this as quickly as possible, but um, yeah, hopefully it won't take me too long. Um, so obviously, best place to start, network itself. That's where we started to build. Um, so it's Cosmos Layer 1 with the check token. 
Um, and so we launched payments onto the network late last year. Um, that sounds trivial to most, be given that everyone will think that you can do payments pretty easily. Uh, difference for us is all of our data moves off ledger. It's super private. Um, but then we need, need a way of technically enforcing payment on ledger when that data moves off ledger. Um, and that's a lot more complicated than it sounds. So it took us a while, but we got it on kind of late last year. Um, and then roadmap wise for this year, so looking at quite a few items. Um, so one of the first is being able to use uh, USDC for those payments, obviously with fees still paid in check. Um, but also linked to that, we want to get fee abstraction on. Um, and there's a reason behind that, which is kind of really closely related to creds, which I'll come on in a bit. Um, and so the, the focus there is being able to pay kind of from a wallet in any token, but resolving that down into probably USDC and check on the fly and just make it so that user experience is super seamless. Um, and then really the focus for, for beyond that is enabling more complex commercial models. So rather than just data being paid for transactionally, is there like subscription-based uh, models, volume-based discounting models, cost, mutualiz cost mutualization problem, uh, models where let's say you're in a consortium, you don't really want to be charging each other. You just want to make sure that across all of your like organizations, um, you're paying for, for the amount that you're consuming like, relatively. Um, as worth me saying, before I kind of get into the next bit, one of our big focuses is on like working globally and with big corporates to free up that data and get that out to you. Um, so we have a big focus on being kind of regs and standards compliant, especially from a, a payments and, and GDPR perspective, um, which kind of leads me nicely onto the second bit. So um, as I mentioned, we've, we've got a big focus on like bringing Web2 corporates into that so we can get that data back out to individuals. Um, so last year, we spent a lot of time building out some software as a service APIs, means that developers can start really quickly. They don't need to spend time with SDKs if they don't need to. Um, and now we're making sure that we're continuing to be standards and regs compliant, mainly so that we can start taking our work across Europe where uh, EIDAS is coming in, which is basically mandating decentralized or digital ID for pretty much every citizen across Europe. Um, it's opt-in, so it's definitely not a kind of like surveillance tactic but the whole purpose is like getting someone a, a usable and reusable digital id to smooth like experiences um so one of the things we'll be doing is rolling out a fiat based version of the payments infrastructure um it'll resolve down to the network in check under the hood um but it means that it's usable by anyone who's token allergic uh, which is despite kind of the market rallying now you still you still see in web2 um so all of this basically is to allow all of our partners to um basically use the network the underlying network but to the level of like crypto that they are comfortable with so they can either go all the way down like start messing around with sdks and and kind of cli stuff or they can just use like rest apis or something super simple across the top great example of this is one of our partners uh finclusive reader are using this for reusable kyc um targeting like finance um and and kind of exchanges worldwide um, which then brings me on to creds. So creds is something that we really built over last year. Um, it started off as a demo for self-sovereign ID and credentials, um, but we found that a lot of people are wanting to use it for their own purposes, their own use cases. Um, and so we want to make that happen. So um, creds, just really briefly to describe it, is a zero knowledge wallet. 
which is entirely private. So we can't see it. And if you share different things to different people um, and you do it on different channels, they will have no way to triangulate who you are. Um, so it's very different to NFTs in that if you share that from a wallet, everyone else can see all the contents of that wallet and any wallets it really transacts with. Um, this is entirely private. So if you share something to someone and share something different to someone else on a different channel, they've got no way of trying triangulating you at all. So you completely keep that privacy. And that's one of the big things for us. Um, and to kind of, I guess go alongside that, we've built an OCurd issuance platform. Um, so in the process of opening that up this week, so if anyone heads to like creds.xyz, you'll probably see a wait list or, or the ability to kind of go across the studio. And that means that anyone can start issuing credentials without any technical need. Oh, sorry, anyone, any like technical capability. Um, it'll look and feel very, very similar to NFTs, but again, entirely private. Um, and the other thing that we built here as well, and this is um, more on the security side. So we've also built a Telegram bot. Um, and what that does is we can verify who people are and who they work for inside Telegram. So without anyone having to leave. Um, and so means we could start protecting communities from scammers and fraudsters. Um, we'll be opening up a waiting list for this in the coming weeks for anyone interested. But again, it's really to like get rid of fraud, get rid of all the scamming, um, especially as the market starts coming back and you get a lot of new users who are vulnerable. Um, said roadmap wise, and then I'll shut up. So um, for creds, we'll also be building in payments um, over the coming weeks, months. So that means Anyone can issue those credentials, but they can also monetize them, start charging for them, especially when they're reused in the future without needing to code. We think this is going to be the biggest kind of gateway into how all of this works. Um, but outside of this, two kind of main two things I'm excited for. So um, we're going to be issuing credentials based on, on ledger behavior. So that could be uh, demonstrating achievements without doxing wallets. So for example, you could prove your whale in a certain token without actually exposing your underlying wallet. Um, it could also like expose that you are like, you've achieved a certain level of profitability again without having to dox your wallet and dox exactly what's going on there. Um, but also then working one of our partners, NimLab, to bring those credentials or any credentials on Ledger. So this could be uh, on-chain KYC if it's relevant, but also things like credit scores, um, again, to like, re like reduce collateral on lending, or things like proving membership and contributions to a DAO to gate and inform voting. Um, but again, all of this is basically, we'll provide the tooling. It's then up to everyone else to figure out what they want to use it for. Um, final bit on creds. So anyone check in the nest or tweets around the space, you'll see links to claim creds uh, for each section uh, that Hoss has created. Um, so you can use these to prove attendance. You can use them to prove uh, personal interest. Um, and in the future, our aim is that you could use them to prove proof, proof of personhood, uniqueness, all that kind of stuff, but do so privately. So without doing something slightly dystopian and terrifying like WorldCoin and registering your biometrics, prove you've been to like 20 odd different spaces, 10 different in-person events. And realistically, you only could have done that if you physically turned up to all of them. Um, so I think just to round out and uh, kind of, yeah, like I was saying, shut up. Um, main theme for this year really is we've largely got the infrastructure in place at the network level. There's still some work to do, but most of it is there now. And so really for us, it's now all about adoption and network effects hooking all this up so that we can get more and more of this data into 
listeners' hands and uh, put you back in control where you should have been in the first place. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Hoss, for setting this up. Um, it's been awesome. And I'm definitely going to continue listening in for a bit to see what else comes up. Yeah, you did really well. That was great, man. And th- it's so cool that you guys offered the uh, cred thing because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's awesome. You know, being able to say, hey, I was there live and and essentially have reputation, right? Like, I think that's the tough part and that's the challenge in this space is one, the, like, the privacy layer is really tough because, you know, it can be dangerous. It's like, oh, yeah, I have, you know, X amount of bad kids and then someone finds your wallet, then they bother you. And it's like, I don't know, you should be able to, like, prove that without having to, like, delinquish your exact wallet address, in my opinion. If you want to, that's fine. If you don't want to, that should be an option too. And that's what I'm all about is like optionality and having that be, you know, a tool for people at their disposal, whether that's a a community member or a team or or whomever, to be honest with you. So really cool, innovative ways that you guys are, you know, taking place in this space and essentially having tooling for those out there. Um, Yeah, you still have a couple minutes. I don't know if you wanted to add anything, but I'm excited for you guys and excited for the space as a whole. And the the, the narrative um, in this space has been making the space better, really. At the end of the day, I don't know how many teams have came up already, but it's like making it better. And that's great. No, I love that. And uh, with those couple of minutes left, I think just a riff on your your privacy angle. Um, So I mentioned the Telegram bot and we created that kind of to to combat that um, scamming, um, mostly where you've got community members uh, coming in and then immediately getting targeted by fake mods. We tested this out and we saw um, one community member immediately got hammered by like, I think three fake mods within 30, 30 seconds to a minute. Um, and that was like across multiple communities. It wasn't even just ours, like it, was, it was repeatable. Um, but one of the use cases that I think could be really cool is I was looking up um, where most fraud is, like the the, the dollar value, and mostly it was coming out of uh, rugs. So it wasn't like bridge hacks. It wasn't um, it wasn't like peer to peer scamming. It was rugs. And I think what's really cool with what we built here is um, we could have people stay completely anonymous or pseudonymous but prove they've worked on multiple projects over time and just completely keep that. So you could have completely provable decentralized reputation without having the identity side. And I just to riff on that a little bit more on like what you're saying around reputation, we think that's where the space is going or where the world is going. It is more about social signals, reputation than it is about like whether someone knows your address and they know you personally. Um, a lot of people on this call have pr- probably know individuals who are like sharing around five to six figure like token amounts in dollars dollar value and they don't know each other um but they're doing it based on like shared history shared reputation and i think that's the way things should be going is like keep that privacy keep that anonymity but still build that trust um and so one of the things we want to yeah enable over this year next year even beyond is like building up that reputation that you can share to do whatever you need to within a certain certain transaction um but without doxing yourself without revealing yourself so yeah that's our hope for this year is really enable that and uh and make that work in a big way and i guess just the final one is yeah go collect them creds and uh let us know what you think let us know what you want to be issuing um let us know the credentials that you wish you could get and uh we'll do our best to make that happen yeah, thank you, Fraser. I'm looking forward to 2024. Cheers, well, brother. And next we have next we have Gareth with Tempe. Yeah, hi, Os. How are you? 
So, yeah, let me. I'll start with a, a bit of an intro on Timpy. We we are the world's first decentralized search engine. Um, functionally, we perform very similar to Google or Bing, uh, the search engines that you're you're probably used to using, but with a key difference that for the first time in history, we're giving society access to information from the internet, really in the same way that Tim Berners-Lee had when he first gave the internet to the world. And this is uh, with freedom of access, without manipulation, without bias, and without censorship. Um, now, in one way that we are similar to those uh, big players, there are only four main players in the market, uh, Google, Bing, Yandex, and Baidu. And they control this market because they have their own index. Now, the index being the collection of data from yeah. the, the, the internet. And Timpy has uh, joined that, um, the, the high ranks of having its own index as, and has the fifth largest web index uh, in the world, uh, web scale index in the world that we've built over the last year and a half. Uh, but we're not just uh, a search engine that isn't manipulating the results that you see. Um, we're also focused on how users can access information on the on the internet. So if you you can join our our beta currently, and uh, if you join our beta and use our search engine, you'll see that there's quite a number of features um, which which you wouldn't have seen on other search engines, such as cybersecurity ratings on all the domains in our index. Um, you can extend the search results so you can see more results within the uh, do, we've got feedback on the line can you guys hear me i'm sorry i think i unmuted my microphone on accident there uh go ahead man i apologize about that oh no you, you're good uh i think actually it's fraser i think fraser still um uh got his mic on oh sorry anyway i'll, I'll carry on <laughs> you're right dude um, we also have our own AI called Wilson. Uh, this is a specialist AI that's linked in with our index. And um, one of the, 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 the key differentiators with our AI is that as a specialist AI directly linked in with our index, we're able to update that uh, and train this model a lot faster than anyone else can in the industry. Um, we're aiming to have our artificial intelligence Wilson updated within 24 hours of information hitting our index. Now, um, the, the nearest comparable is Bing, who do this every three months. We can do this because it's our own specialized AI with our own index. Again, only there's only five indexes in the world. Timpy's built the fifth largest index in the world. And that really allows us to uh, you know, be free from the shackles of the big tech organizations and um, really rethink the way people are accessing information online. Um, there's there's lots of other features um, uh, that, that that we have within our search engine. And uh, you know, people are keen to to look at what we're doing. Please join our, our beta program where you can actually access it right now in beta and, and see these features. I think you'll be surprised about how uh, different navigating the internet uh, should be. We, we've also um, have our dashboards where people can come in and build their own profile, um, which is directly linked in with our search engine. 
uh, it, it's really a, a single place for someone's entire online profiles. You have all your social feeds there, all your um, links to videos and images. If you're uh, an influencer in the um, crypto industry, you can have all your trading charts. And uh, you can actually start curating like sub indexes of the internet that you can present to your audience. Um, and then actually take a, a share in the revenue from advertising that, that comes from that as well. Um, so where are we today? We've been building over the last two years. Uh, we're, we're currently uh, very close to launching the uh, private beta uh, into the public beta in the next few months. We're launching the token in the next few weeks. Uh, actually, the, the uh, final date is being announced this week. And we're launching that uh, multi-chain across uh, Ethereum and on our own blockchain, uh, which is built on Cosmos SDK called Nutero. And yeah, I think that's about it. Any uh, questions, Sos? What are your What are your thoughts? No, it's great. I uh, the, this whole little segment I've done here, the last several teams has been you know some sort of way of utilizing privacy or data solutions, and I think it, it is incredible if you think about it in a sense because even if you're like a decentralized maxi or just someone that's like i'm not going to use these central entities like bing or um google you know you can like utilize like say hypothetically right now like pre-search but they're still using i'm fairly certain that pre-search uses bing so in essence you're still getting what they want you to, to receive on the other end like you're not getting an unbiased search so if you Think of it, and not to get political or anything, but like like from a political side standpoint, if you search a particular topic, you still may get what they want you to receive in, in essence. So it's not truly a decentralized or unbiased um, search. You know, maybe even now, like right now, currently, if you go to search something on like Google or whatever, p perhaps you don't even get really the best search. Maybe it's the 20th thing down there, but who's really going to scroll down to the 20th search on that particular topic to get maybe potentially something that's unbiased or whatever. And having biased data points can all really, in, in essence, can be a little bit dangerous uh, <laughs> for humanity, in my my opinion, uh, whether that comes through with like medical professions or just any sort of particular topic. So like from that standpoint alone, I'm, I'm excited for that. And then like what you, what you mentioned with the AI, can t essentially scrape the data within 24 hours and comp comparing it to, I didn't realize that it takes upwards of three months for, for that to take place on other um, indexers, so to speak. So that's pretty cool. And then um, I get, you still have some, you know, you still have some few minutes. I don't know if you had any other particular roadmaps, things that you're looking forward to in 2024 or anything of that nature. Yeah, so so really, the the this this year's uh, about launching and bringing awareness to the search engine and and, and bringing on users, um, and uh, we've actually got the, the the token launch and there's a lot of uh, utility with that within that token launch for purchasing the advertisers, uh, sorry, purchasing of advertising on the search engine um and uh purchasing the nfts to to run the nodes um and obviously on the blockchain transactions as well so we're looking at you know build, building out our decentralized network so pe people can purchase nfts download our applications and become part of the decentralized index network and earn rewards for this so they can actually help us build this out i, I think you know to, to your point Hoss, people 
people don't really see or understand the, the types of manipulation that's happening within the search engines. Um, there, there are many search engines, but there are only four indexes other than Timpy. Timpy is the fifth index of, of web scale data in the world. So all other search engines such as uh, outside of Google, Bing, Yandex and Baidu use one of these four indexes. So if you're using Presearch or DuckDuckGo or Ecosia, you're using the data of either Bing or um, Google. And that data is manipulated towards their commercial partnerships or political agendas. There has been tons and tons of research out there. Um, if you go to our website, timp.com, there's a section on research where you can start looking into the, 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 um, the seriousness of, of what's happening and how uh, you're all being manipulated with the search results that you see. You're not seeing organic results. You're seeing what they want you to see, um, even with advertising. Right? So we never and never will put advertising in line in the search results. We all know Google tries to hide it and it's becoming more and more difficult to, to see what's an ad and what's like an organic result. But even within its organic, in inverted commas, results, um, you, uh, they favor the people who spend most advertising. So you're still never getting um, organic results. Um, and of course, then they, 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 they push information to you towards their own political agendas as well. And this is what we'll never do. Um, and so, and, and we're in a very unique position as, as having the fifth largest web scale index in the world. And I've been the only players in the market who, who can do this and promise this. So from like an ad, like, so from a revenue, revenue, excuse me, I can't speak revenue generating um, activity. Like what's the way that you basically obtain revenue for a temp event? Primarily it's advertising. Um, so we do have advertising. It's off to the right-hand side of the search results, very clearly advertising. Uh, through advertising and also uh, providing um, access to uh, developers to uh, directly into our index. So we will, through API access, allow um, people access to our data so that they can actually use that for um, building data-driven applications. In fact, long-term, as we develop into next year, so kind of like a phase two, then uh, we're, we're building an ecosystem where people can actually going to be able to utilize our decentralized architecture uh, and our data to build uh, their own data-driven applications. So, this is, so those are the two main sources of revenues, advertising and um, uh, API access into our data. Really makes sense. So I heard you earlier speaking about kind of creating a, a better web experience for search and, you know, for potential influencers to create, I'm, I'm assuming like a dashboard slash profile. What about any other thing when you, when you do a typical search, can you prioritize your searches since it's technically is going to be an unbiased um, search engine? Yeah. So we have something called keep lists. Um, and so just, just before I go into that, so people are surprised when they use our search engine. I would encourage people to, to uh, go and register for the beta and start having a look about the design of our search engine because there's obvious features that should have always been here 
you know, in the world of search, um, which, which people just don't think about. So it's like the cybersecurity ratings, like the first, first search engine in the world to um, have cybersecurity rating for all their domains. That people can see before they click on something, the level of risk they're at. It's an obvious thing, but no other search engine has any incentivization to, to do that. Um, so another feature is, as you say, Hoss, is, is uh, what we call keep lists. and. We, at first glance, it, it looks like a bookmarking feature, um, which it is. And if you just want to use it as a bookmarking, then, then you can. And it's like dynamic bookmarking directly within the search results. But what you can actually do with it is start curating your own lists of domains, um, almost like curating your own sub-index of it, or even you know, like curating your own mini search engine yourself. And then you can actually then share these uh, domain, these these keep lists um, through your own dashboard with your with um, uh, your audience. If you're an influencer, for example, so if you're a, a crypto influencer, you could um, start curating, um, dynamically creating information around um, uh, did, uh, blockchain and uh, uh, crypto events crypto information, trading, training, whatever you want. Um, and then share that through the dashboard with your audience. And so um, the, the audience can actually you know, see the information that's important to you. Um, and it's, you could, in essence, create your own um, you know, specialized um, crypto trading search engine, for example. Um, on the fly, very quick through the dashboard. And then anyone who runs these dashboards will actually get a share in the revenue from advertising that comes through as well. Um, it's not restricted to influencers. Absolutely anyone can register their own domain and have their own dashboard, uh, completely personalize it. Yeah. Nice. It's exciting. So just to be respectful for everyone's time, I appreciate you, Gareth. Thanks for stopping by. Looking forward to that because that's pretty cool and it's instrumental to moving the space forward as a whole. Just and it might be corny, but in my opinion, society as a whole. So thank you for what you guys are doing. and like Taoism, there's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Chirping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny, community, uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose, sticking with my armory, yam, beta, and Bruce, repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth, like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Really? Is it worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. 
They started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, The shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit coin preachers Pretending to be teachers, y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat, now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat. If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you, you would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it. Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.